Welcome in, everyone, to the Football Addicts Anonymous podcast. Great to have Mark back. Great to have anyone back. <laughs> better than better than Friday uh, by myself, but I rolled through it. Got some good good info out there, so it's cool. We uh, had some had a game today, one game, anyways. Um, it's crazy getting all these bowl games canceled and whatnot. Um, that's what I did like, even though it was a blowout, this game today, um, the announcers, like, in the second half, they were like, yeah, it's nice just to see the kids out here, you know, even though, like, Nevada has a new staff, uh, so some of their old coaches were, were coaching the, the players today before the new head coach comes in and whatnot, so, you know, it's just nice to see, see them playing. <laughs> instead of not playing so um but we had a game on christmas this is not that game or this was on christmas um my bad i forgot to do the stats for the two bowl games that I already finished in between our shows but we can uh y'all can look at this as we uh recap the taxac camellia bowl from christmas day uh, Georgia State blowing out Ball State, fifty-one to twenty. And really, it was the running game, Chris Stranger, uh, the the quarterback also too. Um, Darren Darren Granger was a monster. I mean, fifteen of nineteen passing, efficient as you can get. That uh, is a tune of 78.9%. 203 through the air, three touchdowns. Then he also did it on the ground, 11 carries, 122 yards, and a touchdown as well. So 325 total yards, four touchdowns on uh, 30 touches. It's a pretty solid game. (laughs) No Carson Strong, no win. Carson Strong, who are you talking about? Oh, you're still talking about. Oh, you're talking about Georgia State. Sorry, game. Yeah, yeah, Georgia, okay. Georgia State, Georgia State, Ball State. Drew Plitt. Sorry. I thought Drew Plitt was gonna be a difference. That's why I picked Ball State. Um, I did not expect Darren Granger to to go for that many touchdowns. Uh, you know, Drew Plitt was decent. It, it was tough. He threw it 46 times, completed it 27, 58.7% completion. 293 t- passing yards, one touchdown and a pick. Um, also ran for a touchdown. But yeah, it was tough on on the Ball State side. Their defense couldn't hold up at all to the tune of letting in 464 total yards. And uh, for Georgia State... Aubrey Payne, the tight end, had a 100-yard receiving day, eight receptions, 109 yards, two touchdowns, 13.6 per reception. Also, 100-yard day for leading receiver for the Cardinals, Jayshon Jackson, receiver, uh, 12 catches, 146 yards, 12.2 per reception, and a touchdown. Uh, Drew Plitt lost a fumble as well. 
And I think, let's see who my defensive player of the game is going to be here. It is going to be Georgia State linebacker Jamil Muhammad. Uh, five tackles, four solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and a QB hurry. Oh, actually, that shouldn't have been my... It's... <laughs> I scrolled down, and then I saw safety Antavius Lane also. Ten tackles, uh, eight of them solo, a tackle for loss, and a 55-yard uh, pick six. Probably should have been the player of the game instead. But yeah, that's the thing, though. This game was good. Like, first, first half... 20-13, to 13, Georgia State up at halftime. Ball State's in it. They're good. They're right there. One score. And then the second half, it just fell off the wheels. 28 to nothing in the third quarter. Um, and then, you know, Georgia State kicked in a field goal, and Ball State scored their third touchdown. <laughs> in the third, or their second touchdown. They only had two touchdowns and two field goals. So, yeah, Georgia State, good win there. It's not a good week, not a good start to the uh, the bowl week from Christmas to, to today. Because today also was a blowout. Uh, Western Michigan, 52-24 to over Nevada in the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit. Um, you know, so Western Michigan probably had the home fans there coming down from Kalamazoo. But... Uh, Oh, I forgot to say Georgia State cover minus six over 53 easily there. And like I said, Western Michigan, rocking Nevada. Like you said, like you started to say. <laughs> yeah, no Carson first Strong. Game. Yeah, dude, no Carson Strong. I knew that was going to happen uh, since he declared for the draft he wasn't going to play in the game. Uh, it's good, though, because Chris doesn't follow any of the NCAA news. So he picked... Nevada, which we'll see on our picks. We have that slide, but Mark and I were on the uh, Broncos there. So Caleb Ellaby was pretty good. Uh, eight for 14, 162, two touchdowns and a pick. Comes out to 57.1% completion. But it was really the ground game for Western Michigan. You had Sean Tyler running 14 carries, 146 yards, 10.4 per carry, uh, chipped in one reception for seven yards. And then you also had their second leading rusher here, 100 yards as well, um, Jackson Kincaid, 17 carries, 105 yards, 6.2 per, and then two touchdowns on the ground. So it's just dominating run performance. I mean, in total, Western Michigan ran 52 times, 352 yards, 6.8 per carry, and four rushing touchdowns. Nevada, on the other hand, uh, Nate Cox, quarterback, fill in there. Uh, not, not a great day. 12 for 23, 52.2%, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, two, uh, yeah, one touchdown, one pick, and ground game wasn't as great as it hasn't really been all year. Devontae Lee, their leading rusher, seven carries, 85 yards, 12.1 per carry, 
and one touchdown. That includes a 34-yard carry, which accounted for a lot of his yards. Leading receiver for Nevada here, Jamal Bell. Seven receptions, 75 yards, 10.7 per reception, and one touchdown. Also, that, too, you know, they don't have a... They don't have a... Oh, what's his name? They're outstanding. Tight end. Well, they didn't have Romeo Dobbs. And they also didn't have... It's Cole something, right? Why am I blanking? Cole Turner. I thought it was Cole Turner. I just... I thought there was another guy in college that was named Cole Turner, too. And I... Anyways, yeah. No Cole Turner. No Romeo Dobbs in the passing game either. So, really depleted receiving core for the Wolfpack. Leading receiver for Western Michigan, Corey Crooms, wide receiver. One reception, 74 yards, and one touchdown. <laughs> Pretty solid day. And we don't have any defensive stats because the game just ended like an hour ago. So, <laughs> but yeah, those are the two games that we had so far uh, in between the two bowls or the two shows. Western Michigan cover minus six and a half over fifty-seven easily. So let's get into NFL here now. Christmas Day Packers beating the Browns twenty-four twenty-two, and uh, yeah, Mister Rogers had another nice day. Two hundred two, three touchdowns, no turnovers, seventy percent completion. Baker Mayfield struggled though. Four picks. He he. You got to give him credit though. He he did bring him back. I mean, got him to within a score at the end. So. Uh, but you can't overcome yeah, the, four picks. So the turnovers were the difference in this game. Two point ball game. Don't throw those four picks. I, I they are a different team when he's under center, and it goes back to you know Cleveland might be on to something by not signing them to a, a big long or a big extension like other people in his uh, rookie class. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He he's the the guy that got him back to the playoffs last year. I know. Um, and I just don't know what the issue is with the Browns because the Browns were going just so smoothly, and then it's like these last like two three weeks, it's just been. St- crazy bad i mean that has to do with covid and injuries and whatnot but i mean i think for me my wife was talking about his latest commercial when we were eating on the way home from our christmas trip we -hmm. stopped at a restaurant and home team barbecue really good greenville south carolina but uh it's the one where he's giving the kid to uh, to like essentially house set and he's telling them trash day and this and that yeah and we were talking about how funny Baker Mayfield is, and I wish that it would translate to more success. But I have to tell myself, like you said, he took him to the playoffs last year. Chubbs puts up solid numbers. You know, I, I just 
they just they don't put it all together. Does that make sense? They're always on the, on the cusp of are they going to get in the playoffs? Are they really terrible? I mean, the first game of the season they look great, even in the loss to the Chiefs. They're battling with someone that's been in the Super Bowl two times in a row. They're putting up numbers. And then you play another top team, the Packers, and you put up 22 numbers or 22 points. And so I don't, I can't put my my, th- my finger on it, but you're right. Some days they look good and weeks they look terrible. Um, Neil, you said Nick Chubb, another great game, 17 for 126 and a touchdown, three receptions, 58 yards as well. Aaron Jones disappointed me. Um I don't know what is my issue, dude. It's like fantasy playoffs, I don't know. I just cannot get over the hump. I've won one fantasy championship, and that was a dynasty league, not a redraft league. I just don't know what I have to do. I make the... The poorest decisions in terms of lineups in the fantasy playoffs you can ever imagine, dude. It's, it's just ridiculous. And then, like, this week, I mean, we'll see. Like, guys like Amari Cooper, who had 2.8 fantasy points last week, go off this week. And I'm like, bro, you couldn't have done that last week? <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. the same thing. It's just like all my players just like took a took a week off this week because they knew I was in the second round of the fancy playoffs in a lot of leagues. It's just disappointing. Like I said, Aaron Jones disappointed me in my best ball league, 12 for 66, 5 for 21 receiving. Uh, Devontae Adams, another 100-yard receiving day, 10 for 114 and two touchdowns. Great day for him. Um, and defensively, I'm going – dude, I mean, I would like to go with Rashawn Gary. I really would, because he has two sacks, two tackles, lost three QB hits. But how can you not go with Rasul Douglas? I mean, that is... No, you have to. The, I don't even know, most underrated signing by Brian Gutekunst. Just off the street. I mean, like... No, I mean, he was what, He was on the practice squad of the Cardinals, and then they let yeah. him go. Yeah. And now he has like six interceptions in four weeks. Like, yep. like bro, that's just absolutely crazy. And then the other just amazing signing this offseason by him is also on here Devontre Campbell, free, yep. free agent uh, from, I think he was still from the Falcons. I don't remember if he went, he, I think he went to someone else before the Packers after he was with the Falcons. But anyways, yeah, I mean, Brian Gutekunst has put that roster together masterfully. And they've been, the thing is, they've been, you know, Tunyon has missed most of the season. Bakhtiari has missed a lot of the season. I mean, GM GM of the year? Elkton Jenkins got hurt as well on the offensive line. Um, You know, they have had defensive injuries as well, but... Yeah, it's it's crazy. <coughs> Excuse me. How how well he has put that roster together. Um, just for one Super Bowl and then watch number twelve leave. Um, <laughs> but 
I know all my Packers friends hate me for saying that, but that's fine. Uh, Browns did cover, though, plus 7.5, under 47. Of course, you know me, Mark. I had Packers minus 7, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other game on Christmas, Christmas night, Colts getting the win 22-16. to And they have now won 8 of their last 10. They are on fire, and I absolutely love the Indianapolis Colts right now. Uh, Cardinals, however, are not on fire. Four straight is it four straight losses, right? Uh, uh, Lions. Or, or, this one. Or three out of four. Rams. Three out of four. Three yeah. out of four. Yeah. Um, Carson Wentz had to throw it a lot more this week than he did against the Patriots last week. <laughs> Only threw it twelve, but threw twenty-eight times. Still efficient. No turnovers again. That's that's what Carson does. He's efficient. Doesn't turn the ball over that much. Let's Jonathan Taylor run the ball. I was disappointed, though. Jonathan didn't score. Broke his streak. Could have tied LaDainian Tomlinson. And the other guy that I always forget that's on that list, John Riggins. That was the other guy that was at 12 straight games with a touchdown. Uh, so that was disappointing. But he did run for another 100 yards on 27 carries, 4 yards per um Kyler Murray didn't turn the ball over either. But the Cardinals just looked terrible. I mean, the offense was horrid. My big – I was going to bring that up. Like, he didn't have a turnover, but guess what else he didn't have? You see, he had, well, he had one touchdown. But that's, to me, the difference in the game is the Colts found uh, more success in the red zone, and they come out winners. Yeah. It's. I, I will say in a losing effort, um, maybe this isn't who you would pick, but Buda Baker had himself a day, just 12 tackles, seven solo, one sack, two tackles for a loss, one pass deflection, two quarterback hits. Yeah, that was going to be my guy, uh, too, in terms of defensive player of the game. But I I, uh, I picked the Colts to win this, and any, anything more than um, I would have to say it's Jonathan Taylor is who I trust, and they've been getting better as the weeks go by, and we're seeing the Cardinals get um, – I don't want to say they get worse. You have to remember, you know, J.J. Watt goes down with an injury, DeAndre Hopkins. So I think they're, they're going through a growing pain, but they, they can still – get to the playoffs and that's all that matters right you get into the playoffs and you can see what happens yeah it's just like they are literally the worst team they are playing the worst out of all the teams the five teams that are already locked in in the nfc and the probably the like three four teams that are fighting for the last two spots um, in terms of the wild card, but yeah, Chase Edmonds, another guy, or not, Chase Edmonds screwed me. Uh, I was playing against him in fantasy. It was his rush. That's the thing. His rushing yards that didn't hurt. He only had eleven point six fantasy points running the ball, but of course he had to catch eight receptions for seventy one yards. That gets you another fifteen freaking points. So. 
And Michael Pittman, dude. I, I didn't start Michael Pittman because I played, uh, obviously, Cooper Cup, and I had Adam Thielen, who I thought would have a lot better game. And Thielen gets hurt against the Rams. And, of course, Pittman goes 8 for 82 on 12 targets. Uh, yeah, that's how fantasy goes. Anyways, Colts plus 3, under 48. All right, yesterday, Eagles rolling the Giants, 34 to 10. I was mad, dude. I was like, bro, why did you score? Why did you let them score at the end? I wanted it to be a three. I wanted it to be a three and not a 10. But the backups let them score. Anyways, Jalen Hurts, great second half. This, I mean, I told my parents, I was like, this is an issue when I come home. Because both times I've been home this year, was Thanksgiving and Christmas. They both times they, the Eagles played the Giants, and both times they sucked until the second half this game. Last game, they sucked the whole game. But this game, they finally turned it on in the second half, got the running game going, and the play action was working very well. Jalen Hurts had a nice day, 199, two touchdowns. Didn't run as much, which is fine, because uh, they, had, they had the downfield passing plays that they needed. And... Uh, our boy, I I told everyone on Friday it was not going to be pretty for Jake Fromm's first career start, and it, it was not. Thirty five percent completion, twenty five yards and a pick, um, to go with twelve yards on the ground. Mike Glennon fared a little bit better. Uh, he did throw that touchdown at the end, but he also threw a pick, which ended up being a pick six. Um, like Mike Glennon does. <laughs> so, yeah. I like uh, I like Jalen Hurts. I think he plays exactly in himself and in in the game plan. He often takes what the defense gives him, and if he doesn't have to do anything with his legs, he does he doesn't. And I just overall, I've been happy with his play this year. And Devontae Smith is going to be a nice player. Um, you know as as long as barring injury, he's going to be a nice player for you guys for uh, a little, you know, a while, as long as you keep him signed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting when the Eagles play uh, the Cowboys. And I don't have much to say about the Giants besides they're, they're a dumpster fire like a few other teams that we're going to talk about um, moving forward. But I like how I, – I actually, I like your coach. Um, I heard uh, Michael Wilbon talk about just – he compared the Eagles to um, what the Bears were leading up to their Super Bowl run in the 80s where they just lined up and it was smash-mouth football and we're going to run the ball until you stop us and we're going to take what the defense gives us. And um, after the game, you know, I know I've seen Jordan Malata, right? I've seen him in, in, in pads and I've seen him on the sideline and he looks big, but on the – at the podium with his sleeves cut off, talking about Lane Johnson's uh, catch and being happy for his offensive tackle, that guy looked even bigger outside of football pads. <laughs> he made that microphone look about this big. Yeah, I've been a fan of Sirianni. Uh, you know, coming in, you know, coming in, not knowing much about him, being just knowing that he, you know, comes. 
is splitting off of the Frank Reich coaching tree, who, you know, we loved in Philadelphia, the offensive coordinator when they won the Super Bowl. So I think he's he's done a nice job. Um, and changing the offense mid-season, not even mid-season, it was early. Probably after the first quarter of the season, they changed the offense uh, to run, run, run. And they, they got Miles Sanders back. Jordan Howard's been... I mean, talk about Jordan Howard, man. I mean, he was crap after his time in Chicago. Comes to the Eagles for the first time. Does very well. Gets to the playoffs with the Eagles. And then gets cut... Comes back to the Eagles, and again he—it's just he's doing well. It's—it's it's crazy. Um, Boston Scott, you know what his the craziest stat about Boston Scott is? I think he has twelve career touchdowns. Ten, I believe it is, have come against the Giants. He is a—he is a giant killer, dude. He plays his best football. When he plays the Giants, it's it's crazy. He scores almost every time. Uh, granted, he was playing a lot more in the second half because Miles Sanders got hurt. But uh, yeah, love Devonte Smith. His toe tap touchdown was great, and uh, Lane Johnson's touchdown was fantastic as well. Defensively, I'm going with Alex Singleton. You know me; I love defensive touchdowns. Twelve tackles, ten solos, a pass deflection, and a 29 yard pick six. That that has been a great find from Howie Roseman, picking him off of the CFL Grey Cup champion. Um, I believe he was on the Montreal Alouettes. I could be wrong. I don't remember which team he played for. I just know he was a Grey Cup champion in the CFL. So Eagles covered uh, minus eleven over forty one. Which wouldn't have happened again. The underbetters would have been happy if the Giants wouldn't have scored too. I didn't have the under, but uh, all right, another blowout here. Bucks thirty-two to six over the Panthers. Tom Brady efficient again. Uh, Two thirty-two, only one touchdown. Weird day for Tom Brady. They kicked a lot of f- field goals in this game. Uh, Panthers defense in the red zone was was holding up nicely. Uh, Antonio Brown was just – I felt like every time I was watching this game, it was A.B. somewhere, going to A.B. I mean, he had 15 targets, 10, 10 receptions. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, at one point it was, what, 13-6, 19-6, and I'm like, they score here, it's going to get out of hand, and it just kept getting out of hand. <clears throat> Sam Darnold was booed. Cam Newton wasn't very effective. Someone told me at Christmas, uh, part of my wife's family or big followers of the Panthers, that you can't tell me that we've shuffled through four or five quarterbacks and and it's all the quarterback's fault and not an offensive line um, dilemma. And I said, sure it is, but there's not anyone on this roster that's going to win you a Super Bowl. And I think this division, my, my argument is this division is up for grabs once Tom Brady retires. Because the Saints are kind of in flux at in flux at their quarterback position, and Matt Ryan, the Falcons, you know, he's getting older, and so 
they said, well, I don't want to draft, I want to waste draft picks on quarterbacks. And I said, you don't have to do that, but you can start identifying it. If Deshaun Watson can play next year, I mean, he's he's well worth it. He's established himself. As if Russell Wilson, I don't, I don't think he would want to come to the Panthers. It might be the same situation, but there, those are two quarterbacks that that very well could be up for grabs. Yeah, I mean the thing you think about Russell Wilson, he does have ties. Played at NC State. I know. Um, yep. Yeah, I still. I think I said this last week, and I'll keep saying it until it yeah, either happens or doesn't in the spring. Deshaun Watson has to be the number one priority for the Carolina Panthers in the offseason. Um, he wants to come back home to the Southeast. He wants to play for a coach that wants him. And, you know, I think Matt Rule can can do it. They just got to find a new offensive coordinator since they fired Joe Brady. But uh, with Christian McCaffrey and they – the thing is, too, they have receivers. I mean, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, uh, Tommy Tremble at tight ends coming up his rookie year this year. Shai Smith, I mean, came out of nowhere for this game. I was like, bro, Shai Smith I haven't heard from at all this year. And three recessions for 86 yards, his best game of his rookie season. Uh, so, yeah. And the thing that I will say is that the Panthers' defense is going to be amazing. Next year, they might even be top 10. Uh, because they have a lot of pieces on that defense. Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson, Yatorgos Matos, and then the secondary, you know, Stephon Gilmore, Jeremy Chin, uh, you got C.J. Henderson. So I think the defense is going to be outstanding, and I feel like they are sort of like the, the, the 2015 team where their their defense is going to be freaking amazing next year, and they just need some help on offense. And if they can get a season like they had out of Cam in 2015, they can go places. But uh, need the offense to help them out. <laughs> and six points, not going to do it. <laughs> so, uh, but I forgot to say that I felt like this year is feeling like the Eagles Super Bowl kind of thing, too. Uh the year before we won the, the Super Bowl in 2017. 2016 was kind of so-so. I think we went 8-8 eight and eight in 2016. Yeah. And it's it's there. Uh, a couple more pieces next year and we could be there. Uh, even though I think we get in the playoffs this year. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, best game of his career in his second season. Seven carries, 70 yards, and a touchdown. And, uh, defensively, William Golston for the Bucks. Three tackles, two solos, two and a half sacks, two tackles lost, and three QB hits. Bucks cover minus 11, under 44. Falcons. Getting the win, twenty to sixteen over the Lions in Atlanta. Uh, yeah. This one is a head scratcher, and also this was the first game. There was two games that hurt me. 
in terms of parlays this weekend, Mark. This was the first one. Once I heard Jared Goff was out, I was like, all right, Falcons, I took. That's what, once I heard that was out, I told you that was my lock. The Falcons were my lock. I took the Falcons. I even hit the alternate spread at minus six and a half. I was like, touchdown, the, Lion, the, the Falcons should be able to cover touchdown against the Lions and Tim Boyle. And then they score 20 points. <laughs> and well, at first, I saw they were up 20 to 13. And I was like, bro, we're good. With 13.04 to go in the game, we're up 20 to 13. There's even more time to score once more if we need to. And then freaking Riley Patterson hits a 26 yard field goal with 2.38 to go. And I'm like, oh my God. I mean, I wasn't watching this game. There were, there were better games to watch on uh, Sunday ticket. But yeah, I, I mean, Tim Boyle did pretty well 70%, 187 touchdown, did throw a pick. Uh, was helped out by Jamal Williams. No DeAndre Swift. That also hurt me in my best ball league and in a couple other leagues. Um, no DeAndre Swift for this game again. 19 carries for 77 yards for Jamal Williams. No ground game for the Falcons at all. Uh, I mean, they barely ran the ball. So, Kyle Pitts, though, good day for him. Six for 102. And yeah, he's uh, over 60 receptions for a rookie tight end. I think there's only four other people to do that in a, in a rookie year. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown also hurt me in fantasy. He was on my bench. I just, I just, I, I was going to start him, right? Initially, when I saw Lions playing the Falcons, it's just like the, the picks, you know? Initially, I had Lions in my best bets at plus six and a half because I thought, dude, Jared Goff's going to go and beat the Lions, or beat the, beat the Falcons. And... Once golf was out, I was like, well, I'm taking the Lions out of my best bets. I'm taking them out of my dog of the week. <laughs> Took them out of everything. That included taking Yamin Ross St. Brown out of my fantasy lineup and starting Adam Thielen instead. As the narrator said, that was not a good move. <laughs> or, I guess as the narrator would say, and he lost. But yeah. The four-game stretch that Amon Ross St. Brown is on has been absolutely crazy. Eight receptions and 80 yards, I believe it is, in each of the last four games. Only, uh, I think they said only two other rookies have ever done that. One of them's Calvin Johnson. So, uh, yeah, nine for 91 and a touchdown on 11 targets there. Defensively, wasn't much, but I'm going to go with the Falcons. Foyasade, Oluwakan, 14 tackles, 8 solos, tackle for loss, pass selection, and a pick. Lions cover plus 7.5, under 42.5. Bengals smoking the Ravens, 41-21 to in Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow became right. the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for over 400 yards against one opponent in the same season. 941 total yards against the Ravens. Yeah. And this was the fourth most passing yards in a game in NFL history. 520. Now hear me out. Hear me out on this. This has nothing to do with just having a great game. If anyone in their right mind 
that isn't a Bengals fan or or maybe uh, been an analyst forever in the NFL. Did anyone think that the Bengals would be setting atop their division <clears throat> this year in his second year? I thought that they would be in the playoff hunt, not winning the I, I division. In the, and, and we both and I put them in the playoffs. I put everybody in this division just like I did out west because I think these are the two best divisions. But I didn't think they would be setting at the top. If they win this, hear me out. Tell me why Joe Burrow should not be MVP. Because they're only. I mean, because if they went out, because if they went out, they're only going to be at eleven wins. Because if they went out, they only have eleven wins. How many? I just want to know how many they won last year. Uh. Uh, six? No, nah. I forget if they were six and ten. I forget if they were six and ten or five and eleven. I think they were five and eleven. I can I can look it up, but I'm not going. I'm just saying that to me is his play flipped the script because he wasn't there after the injury. You know what? Mm-hmm. And I and I'm the big believer in the most valuable player is the most valuable person to that team. Now you take mm-hmm. away Aaron Rodgers, maybe they don't win a few games. Maybe Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. I mean, he's playing great, but I still think they have. A really good team. On the flip side, I do have to say that that Jamar Chase and and Tyler Boyd and Higgins is a very mm-hmm. nice uh, skill set for for Joe Burrow to have. Dude, and I think I think both both of the games against the Ravens, T. Higgins had monster days. Uh, he loves playing the Ravens. Twelve for one ninety four and two touchdowns. Mark Andrews over hundred yards, eight for one twenty five and a touchdown. And Jamar Chase, 7 for 125 on 10 targets. Josh Johnson didn't play terrible. I mean, 70%, 304, and two touchdowns, one interception is not a bad stat line. On a normal day, anyways. uh, The issue was they had no running, absolutely no running game. Devontae Freeman, leading rusher, 17 carries, or 17 yards on six carries, 2.8 per carry uh joe mixon wasn't as great either uh 65 yards 3.6 yards per carry but it didn't matter because like i said they had joe burrow joe mixon helped out six for 70 in a touchdown catching the ball anyways and yeah this is the first time the Bengals have swept the steelers and the ravens in the same season since 2009 with carson palmer chad johnson and Cedric Benson as the quarterback, wide receiver, running back, triplet. They were 4-11-1 last year. Yeah. And uh, defensively, I'm going with Trey Hendrickson. Two tackles, two solos, sack, two tackles lost, and three QB hits. That's the crazy thing, too, about the Bengals. As we know, the only... NFL team that doesn't have a scouting department. Uh, I think they have now added like one or two scouts, but they don't have a big thing like a lot of other teams do. And two major gets in the offseason are right here. Trey Hendrickson and Von Bell uh, in free agency. So 
Bengals covered minus seven and a half over 43 and a half. Dude, literally, once I learned that Lamar Jackson wasn't going to play, and then I heard Tyler Huntley was out with COVID, I was, I jumped on Bengals minus four and a half. I was like, bro, I got to get that. And I, I could only get it at like one book because those mothers take it off so quickly once big news happens. And they know lines are going to drastically change. I was like, screw you guys, bro. Leave it on. Let the people eat. The people want money. <laughs> All right, let's get to your boys, Mark. Good game. 30 they did. 30-23. They did just enough. The number one team in the NFC West, officially now, by a game. L.A. Rams. Getting it done over the Vikings, 30-23 to in Minnesota. Um, yeah, Stafford did struggle, though. He screwed me in fantasy, you know, 197. Three, three interceptions, not good. Yeah. Under 60% as well, not good. Um, the go- one Sun good thing... Shell that- to the rescue. Oh, yeah. Sony was great. He has been great. And, you know, I dropped him way early in the season. Because he got traded there. I picked him up. I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll do something because he got traded there. You don't just spend a draft pick for nothing. Then he was sitting behind Daryl Henderson. Henderson was playing well. Henderson gets hurt. (coughs) And Sony just goes off for the last, like, month. And I'm like, dang, I dropped his ass, like, week four. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah. This this game was just, for me, all about... Justin Jefferson is really good. I mean, all of us that follow football know that, but breaking Odell Beckham's record for the first two years yardage, and then you have Cooper Cup that is just he doesn't stop. <laughs> I mean, can you can you put him in an MVP discussion too? Steve Mariucci has him. Is that okay? Because the guy just broke the receptions record in a single season for the Rams, and he's on pace to break the yardage. We're talking about guys that played with MVP quarterback Kurt Warner, and they were called called the greatest show on turf. You know, so I mean, just a phenomenal year for him. So I know Isaac Bruce had the receiving the receptions record. Does he have a yards record or two, or is that Holt? Um, it's Isaac Bruce. Oh, okay, as well too. Yeah, so Hall of Famer uh, Isaac Bruce. And, yeah, the Vikings struggled with no Dalvin Cook in this game against the Rams defense that had been susceptible to giving up the run uh, throughout the season. And one good thing that did come out of this game, though, I won a big parlay for about 70 bucks, a little three-legger. I had uh, Kirk Cousins over 262.5 passing yards. I had... uh, the Rams minus three, and I had OBJ to score. So I hit all three. It was pretty good. Pretty good day uh, on FanDuel, anyways. And then I also hit another one later, which I'll talk about with the uh, three late games. But, yeah, man, Cooper Cup, I'm loving life with this uh, receiving yards, leading and receiving yards bet. I kind of wish I would have put him in 
for the uh, receiving touchdowns bet. I just wasn't sure about that when I was putting in some futures just because Mike Evans was right there with him. And also, I think, I forget who else was right there. Adam Thielen was close at that time as well. I think they were both around 12. Uh, and Cup had like 14. And I was like, uh, I don't know. Can Cup keep scoring touchdowns? And he has. So, but, yeah. So he should end up leading in every single category. Uh, like I said, Adam Thielen screwed me again in this game. He got hurt again. Only produced seven fantasy points. Uh, and you also had wide receiver Brandon Powell taking back a 61-yard punt return to the house. Defensively, it's tough. But I got to go on the losing end. I got to go with Anthony Barr. Seven tackles, five solos, two pass flexions, a QB hit, and two picks. Can't can't negate the two picks you can go with your boy if you want my boy aaron donald i know you want to go with 99 five tackles five <laughs> solo a sack three tackles for a loss two quarterback hits he is the man the myth and the legend all in one see and he i'll make aaron donald a deal you give you give tj watt your 2020 defensive player of the year award and you can win Defensive Player of the Year this year. I I'm not. I agreed <laughs> with you in 2020. I don't think Aaron, I don't know that Aaron should win it this year. Maybe people are laughing at me. I don't know. See, but I I've mean, actually noticed him this year. People, hear me out. There's some people that we're going to talk about later that yeah. deserve it. In Dallas, there's some people. There's. I, I'm just. I'm just saying. Yeah, but I, like I said, I, I've actually noticed him this year. Last yeah. year, I didn't notice it. So, over uh, Rams minus three, like I said, that was probably the lockiest lock of the week that I knew of. Um, and over 48 and a half. Bills, baby! Yes! We are back on top, the Bills. Hey, the I, uh, I picked it. I picked the Bills. Same, thirty-three to twenty-one over New England. I, I hope uh, I hope our boy didn't pick them. Oh yeah, Crystal and the Patriots. You know that. Yes. Uh. So Josh Allen, amazing game. Three fourteen, three touchdowns, no turnovers. Big big key, no turnovers. And Mac Jones uncharacteristically threw two picks. Uh, was not good at all. Probably his worst performance of the season in a major spot. Uh, under 58, under 50% completion, 145, like I said, two picks. Damian Harris, I was, of course, playing against him in Fantasy 2. 18 carries, 103 yards, which was fine. That's fine if you want to run for 103 yards, Damian. 10.3 <laughs> points is not going to hurt. But when you put three touchdowns on the board... And you're, that gets you another 18 points. That is what hurts me. And it also hurt that Ramondre Stevenson didn't play in this game when I I could have played him. Uh, and he could have taken carries away from Damian Harris. But uh, I like that Devin Singletary is getting more work uh, for the Bills. They're you know coming from the Bucks game 
Over to this game, too. Devin Singletary, I feel like, is getting a little bit more work every week. And uh, I like it. Even though he's only running for 3.3 yards per carry, but it's against the Patriots' defense, which we know is good. Against the run, especially. Uh, but he caught 5 for 39, which was also good. Isaiah McKenzie, this was one of those games for the Bills where it's just like that one random receiver has just a monster game. It's kind of like how the Chiefs do that sometimes, which we'll see happened in the Steelers game. <laughs> uh, but no Gabriel Davis, no Cole Beasley in this game, so someone else had to step up other than Stephon Diggs. It happened to be Isaiah McKenzie. 11 receptions, 125 yards, and a touchdown on 12 targets. Of course, Diggs scored again. Uh, so that is another guy that's up there now, though, in the touchdowns. I think he has 12 or 13 on the year. Maybe 14. Hey, maybe 14. I don't know. Did you see Diggs' double spin, though? It was it was like playing Madden. Whoop, <laughs> uh, And then Dawson Knox scored another touchdown. Defensively, Micah Hyde. Six tackles, three solos, two pass selections, two picks. Bills plus one covered over 43 and a half. Yeah, the Jets. Uh, acting head coach Ron Middleton getting his first career win uh, over the Jags, 26-21. Trevor Lawrence... Okay day. Other than the fumble, I mean, he didn't score. So that was an issue. But, uh, well, he would have scored. I should, I should He would have scored, but he fumbled, and then his offensive tackle luckily helped him out and recovered it in the end zone. So Will Richardson Jr. Uh, gets credit for that fumble-recovered touchdown. Uh, Zach Wilson... They didn't give him much. They didn't ask him to do too much in this game. Uh, only 102 passing yards. Did score. Uh, did throw a touchdown. But the 52-yard rushing touchdown by Zach Wilson was absolutely amazing. And it was the longest rushing touchdown by a quarterback this season. And I think it was the longest rushing touchdown by a quarterback in a couple seasons as well. I don't remember exactly what the the year they said was but yeah 91 rushing yards for zach wilson uh and a touchdown michael yeah that that 52 yarder was something to watch michael carter also came back off of the covid list this week um had an amazing game probably i would say his best performance of his rookie year 16 carries 118 yards 7.4 yards per carry Chipped in two receptions for six yards. Uh, James Robinson went down in this game, so Dario Gumbawale got some work. Uh, a lot more work than he was expecting, I would say. Which was weird. I don't know if if Carlos Hyde was hurt or on the COVID list or what. Because you would expect Carlos Hyde to take all those carries. Oh, by far. Uh, but it was, it was Dare getting all the carries, so... And he scored. Good for him. And Braxton Berrios. Five catches, 37 yards on six targets. And big 102-yard kick return touchdown for him. Nice job, Braxton. And then we had another big man touchdown. It was weird, dude. This weekend was just like big man touchdown city. There was five of them, I believe, across all the games. 
Uh, you had Lane Johnson earlier. Connor McDermott in this game for the Jets. And defensively, wasn't too much going on. So I'm going to go with the leading tackler and Chris's favorite defensive player on the Jets, C.J. Mosley. Ten tackles, six solos, a sack, and a QB hit. Jags getting uh, closer. They're getting closer to another number one pick back-to-back. Yeah. They just got to lose two more games. Jets covered minus two and a half over 43. And you know, it was crazy. uh, You know, the the Jags had a chance. Trevor Lawrence had a chance to drive them down the field and win the game. I forgot to say that for the Lions game, too. Tim Boyle had a chance to win that game and got picked off at the goal line. Uh, The Jags didn't get... Or no, the Jags did get close. I believe they got as almost as close as the Lions did. And the Jets held on, on four downs. Uh, so, Trevor Lawrence, not as clutch. At least right now. <laughs> as he was at Clemson. Over 43 in this game. All right, Mark, remember I said the Falcons was the first one that screwed me over this weekend? Well, here's the second one. I'm sure this screwed over millions and millions of people. Uh, I have no idea what happened in Houston this weekend. I don't. I just, can we? The first thing, I don't know. I, do you want to start? I don't want to, I'm not going to make this like a long, drawn-out thing. The thing that bothered me about this is you go back to the Chiefs game and and Staley says, we're going to do what we do, and I'll, we're going to go for it whenever I want to go for it. And I, and I like going for it. Does that make sense? Like I, I would never shy away from going for it, but maybe you do kick a field goal, one field goal in that game, or maybe even two. And then – you yeah. come and and this happens, and the only thing I can think of is what is the identity of the Chargers? Um, is it egotistical? Is it is it um, up and down play? And you have such a a great young quarterback that some people love Staley. I'm starting to think what would this look like with someone else at at the head of the team or or the coach on the sideline? Yeah. I I don't know. I think we've seen that they they run the ball. It's what they do. But like sometimes yeah, it gets cloudy because some games they'll just throw it all over. And the thing is they had the receivers to do that. Uh Mike Williams was out of this game with on the COVID list. Uh, so is Austin Eckler. Justin Jackson did a fantastic job filling in at running back. Had a great game, 64 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Did put the ball down once. But he caught eight receptions for 98 yards. I mean, just crazy PPR. Uh, yeah, those are big day. numbers. I I got to give it to you. You're Not to interrupt, but you're a big Davis Mills fan uh, <laughs> coming in here. And no turnovers, two touchdowns, only six incompletions. 254, you can say, is not a ton of yards, but it's enough to beat someone 41-29. to 29. Now, 
Simone Biles' boyfriend had himself <laughs> quite a day just because ESPN ran with that. I didn't even know it about her boyfriend until this morning when we were watching highlights. Yeah, he's not on here. I could have put him on. Uh, I decided not to put him on, though. <laughs> not for that reason, but he just he didn't have enough stats on defense to to put him on, even though he did get a pick. Uh, didn't he force a fumble, too, or almost come up with one, or maybe he was just in the vicinity? Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, Jonathan Owens, the safety for... Oh, he recovered one. He recovered a fumble. He recovered Justin Jackson's fumble. Gotcha. Um, be a weird... Keen, look, who's not on here, though? You know, Keenan Allen? Yeah, not on I mean, the that's the first thing that, that I saw in a loss... Four for 35 on six targets for Keenan Allen. Uh, and maybe it was just a really good game plan by the Texans. I mean, you take Keenan Allen out of it with, with uh, you know, another primary target for the Chargers out with COVID, and that changes the landscape of the game. Yeah, Jared Cook had to become more involved. Like I said, Josh Palmer didn't – he scored. Um we got to give credit to Rex Burkhead, too. I mean, he kept the ball going. I don't know why Josh Palmer is the only receiver I put on there because I usually put the leading receiver on each team, and he was not the leading receiver for the Chargers. Jason Moore was. Well, it's just because they shouldn't have got beat 41-29. to Maybe they get beat on the last second field goal. Three this is unacceptable. Three recessions for 56 yards for Jason Moore, the leading receiver for L.A. But, yeah, I but did, he find the, did he find the end zone? No. Herbert, no, I mean, Herbert's I would go. Only touchdown was to Josh Palmer. Yeah, I would go with Palmer then over that. I mean, he got in the, t- he got in the end zone. It was close enough. Well, like I said, I like to add the leading receiver in terms of yards on each team. It's just a bad loss in my opinion. Bad loss. Yeah. And it was just like, the, any given Sunday. That's what everyone kept saying. And like, bro, come on. Beat. Th- that's the thing. That's the thing you're taught to do in the NFL. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and then you can afford to lose a couple games to to games that are 50-50 games. Uh, so, this is a team you're supposed to beat, L.A., and now... You're still in the playoffs, thanks to a couple of losses by other teams. You know, we had the Browns lose, the Steelers lose, uh, the Ravens lose, the Dolphins are playing tonight. But, you know, look who won. I mean, the Bills won. They jumped, the Bills jumped from five to uh, three, I believe it is, or two. The Bills jumped from five to four. Okay, I didn't know they. I didn't know the Bengals had the tiebreaker. Anyways, but yeah, the 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 Bills jumped from five to four. You know, you had the Ravens lose, but the Patriots slide down. The Colts won, and the Chargers they went from being in the playoffs. My bad, I said they were still in the playoffs. They went from being in the playoffs to they're out now. They're one spot out. 
so they got to get it figured out. I think a big part is they'll get Mike Williams back and Austin Eckler back. But it's not guaranteed. Especially with the two teams that they have left to play that are also fighting for those wild card spots in the Broncos and the Raiders. The Broncos even more so considering they lost. And they're well, a game out now and the Raiders are tied for that 8 and 7. I mean, we'll talk about the Raiders coming up, but that's the the Chargers kind of mirror what I think in the Raiders. Like they're in games, they have to win um, last minute drives, they got to win unconventionally, but the Raiders tend to, you know, you go into Cleveland and you think it shouldn't have been that close, but at least they found a way to beat a depleted Cleveland team, right? Yeah, to me, this mirrors that. You have to mirror that and beat a Texans team that that's 4 and 11. Well, I mean, at the time, 3, three and 11, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, the Chargers, the Chargers would have been sitting so pretty too. They win this game, they're sitting tied with the Patriots and the Colts at nine and six, and they're a, they're a whole game up on the Ravens, Raiders, and possibly I'll the give Dolphins. You, I'll give you the best symmetry between two teams: Chargers, Browns. <laughs> I mean, tell, tell me, tell me, I'm wrong. They're right there on the cusp. You see great things out of them. And then, what? Why did they lose that game? Oh, what? What? Like I said, at least the Chargers, at least the Chargers are tied for that last spot, and Browns. Are, I know. Browns are a whole game out. Browns are looking, yeah, looking not good right now. Which I need the Browns to make the playoffs, unfortunately, in order for. Uh, well, they got some division games left, in, so. In order for one of my bets to hit, which would be more, it would be a more expensive loss. If the Browns made the if the Browns didn't make the playoffs versus the Steelers making the playoffs, which is just a straight bet, the Browns I have in a little four team. Uh, I think thing that they need to make the playoffs, but anyway, I think in a loss like this, before we move on, I think it all. I mean, there's so many things. There's penalties and turnovers, but if I'm Justin Herbert and I'm a young budding star and, and I'm knocking on that door, I look at it at this game and go. I mean, yeah, he had 336, but I go, that's on me. I shouldn't have had two turnovers. I got to get us, you know, ready. Um, we walk into this game. I kind of give our team an identity. And the reason I say that is when I was watching this game, I didn't like his language, his body language, sorry, on the sideline. I don't know if it, they were not on the same page, like offensive coordinator-wise. It looked like they didn't want to be in Texas playing this game. Well, especially look at it going into the fourth quarter. It's a two-point game, seventeen fifteen Texans. You're there. You're you're in the game. You're good. And then it's ten straight by the Texans, and then the Chargers get seven back. So again, you're twenty-seven to twenty-three. You're still right there. It's one score. And then it goes another fourteen straight, and then you're out of it. Well, I mean. I know most analysts are going to go X's and O's and say he put up 336. I saw some, I, and I'm talking about in the second half when, you know, you're talking about Tom Brady, you're watching man in the arena, and he goes, guys, we got to get laser focused. We're not out of this game. And it's 25 to 3, 28 to 3 when he's saying this. 
I just did not see that from a young quarterback that I feel like should take the reins and go, hey, man, we're winning this ball game. We're right here on the doorstep of getting in the playoffs. Instead, and maybe he's watching the game to see if he's getting the ball back, but I just saw no emotion or anything from him on the sideline. Or remember, what what was one of the biggest things coming out of the draft when he got drafted? He wasn't a vocal guy. That was one of his biggest knocks. And it's, and, but not, you, it's not what he is. Hear, hear me out. <clears throat> On that, then I turn my focus to, I'm going to find me a coach that is going to develop that. Does that make sense? He doesn't ever have to be the loudest person on the sideline, but I'm going to have a relationship with my quarterback so much, kind of like in basketball with my point guard. And I've had point guards that are really vocal and really not, but you've got to go around and be enough, you know, to a, to a point vocal enough to say, Hey, we're going to win. At least say, we're going to win this ball game. We're down two. let's go. I'm going to hit you in stride. What play do we want to run? But that's a growing pain. He's still very young. Does that make sense? That's what's tough when you hire a defensive coach. Uh, anyways, defense. I don't want to stay on this game all night, but freaking Rex Burkhead, dude. Dude, the man scored 28 points against me in fantasy. I was like, are you shitting me? I'm about to lose a freaking fantasy you're football fan, playoff game. Because of Rex because Burkhead. Because of Rex Burkhead. I was and like, you are you kidding me, dude? Technically, I haven't lost yet. Technically, I haven't lost yet, Mark. <laughs> I am up by like... Uh, I think I'm up by seven points playing. I don't have anyone left, but I'm playing against Jalen Waddle and Brett Maher tonight. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, what, they, Waddle could get hurt. And... I asked. I asked my saint, my friend that's a Saints fan. I was like, bro, can you give me a nine nothing loss tonight? Because <laughs> I nailed the, I need the Dolphins to still win, but. But a nine nothing loss, a nine nothing win for the for the Dolphins would be fantastic tonight. That'd be great, with Waddle getting not that many catches, and we'll Maher, Maher never kicking Maher never kicks the ball, unless right. he, unless he kicks it off. But defensively, uh, I'm going with Tavir Thomas. The only stats that he that are on the sheet: eight tackles, six holes, pass selection, and a 48 yard pick six. It was a good game to talk about a long time because it had big complications. But, yeah, we talked about it. Biggest underdog of the weekend winning. Texans. Yeah, they were, my, they were my underdogs. You didn't know that? Texans plus 13 over 43 and a half. And the thing is, again, I took the alternate spread, dude. I, I put it down to 10. I was like, right, the Chargers can cover 10 against Texans. Come on. No. Well, what about this game, dude? Bears. Oh, Nick Foles. Oh. Nick Foles. He did it again. His first start in a year, or something like that. He, the I mean, man. The man is not terrible at football. Let's just establish that. That doesn't mean that he's great or good, right? He's he's not bad at football. And let me tell you, the catch. On the two-point conversion, it was number three in the Sports Center top ten, and I and I don't know how it wasn't number one. That was a beast of a catch. Was that Darnell Mooney? 
Yes. I mean, he went up and over people, and he's not the biggest guy in the world. Oh, yeah, he's only and like he held on to it, got a toe tap and a knee down, and when he fell out of bounds, they knocked it out of his hand. And I was like, he just – that's a moss of a moss catch. Yeah. The only thing – Nick Foles is good. Nick Foles is great when he plays in Philadelphia, though. <laughs> well, it's that cold weather. He was out in that cold weather, boy. Yeah, two fifty, one touchdown, no turnovers. What? What a snowball dive by Russell Wilson, though. I mean, the man looks absolutely terrible. Fifty nine percent, one one eighty one, two touchdowns. I will say his touchdown the to rating, DK. The rating looks good. It's his t- his touchdown to DK was. Pristine yeah. though, dropped it right on him. Uh, the only reason his rating is so good is because he scored twice. Touchdowns well, boost your quarterback rating a lot. And what I'm surprised, I'll say this: you lose by one, right? You're supposed to be an elite quarterback. I say that he's available for the Panthers and and Saints. And I'm thinking it's barring. Why, why are we saying that? Because Pete Carroll's no slouch as a coach. And this game, he had a, a running back that had 135 yards. Maybe he chunked it. On, I didn't get to watch this fully until the second half. Maybe he chunked it up with with uh, just one or two carries. But if you're a quarterback no. and you're getting 135 yards and you're an all-pro quarterback, you should beat a Bears team that hasn't looked good all year. No. I mean, his longest rush was 32 yards. But, no, Rashad Penny was, was – money all day for so is it is it an eight are we seeing someone decline in front of our eyes or does he need a change of scenery i think he needs a change of scenery and again i don't i don't think the seahawks have ever fixed the offensive line i don't i don't either that's the only that's the only thing i brought up is because the running game got going but he also in my opinion you don't you know you don't see lockett here um dk is his only target right now and in that you know that skill position makes quarterbacks look good think about what we talked about boyd and higgins and chase for burrow one thing i will say he has developed a really good chemistry with gerald everett the last couple of games uh their leading receiver in this game four for 68 and a touchdown uh I was disappointed by David Montgomery. I thought against the Seattle defense that Montgomery would have a really good game uh, because he he was having a couple good games there, um, but not good at all. 2.1 yards per carry. Did score. But, again, Montgomery, if you have him in fantasy, I don't. I wasn't playing against him, so he, doesn't, he, didn't, he didn't make me mad this week. Uh, but in fantasy, he's been a monster PPR just getting dump-offs out of the backfield, 7 for 61 receiving-wise. But yeah, Mooney has been a godsend. He is by definitely a part of the rebuild coming up, 5 for 57 here. Jimmy Graham, score another touchdown. (laughs) Man, he was so pumped. He was back in Seattle. He was pumped for that touchdown. I'm happy for him. You know why he scored, though? I think it was that veteran Nick Foles to veteran Jimmy Graham. <laughs> uh, hey, both of these teams, I would say, have proud fan bases, whether that's because it just it's great to tailgate outside of Soldier Field. I've never been inside of it, but I know the tailgating experience. The Seahawks have a proud franchise and winning under 
the team that they have now. But you're looking at five and ten. I always often wonder how the Bears aren't have more wins because of their defense, and that leads us to what we we're going to talk about next. I have to go with Roquan and Robert Quinn. The reason I'm going with two is one's a Georgia guy that I think is a just a one of the best linebackers in the league, and then the other one is a former Ram that seems to be finding his niche at his age with the Bears. And Quinn had two tackles, one solo, one sack, one tackle for a loss, and two quarterback hits. Yeah, I wasn't going to put Roquan on there initially. Um, He's he, just an anchor. That's the usually, best. Usually three, three special stats when you're under 10 tackles doesn't get enough. But I thought he was close enough to 10 tackles that I gave him the benefit of the doubt. But if I'm, I could give him Go ahead. I, I have to go with the Seattle guys, though. In a losing Dunlap. effort, Carlos Dunlap has been on a rampage the last three games. Uh, I believe he has like six sacks in the last three games. Five tackles, five solos, two sacks, tackle loss, pass flexion, and three QB hits. And then Rasheem Green as well. Two tackles, both of them solos, two sacks, two tackles loss, and four QB hits. Moving forward, I thought it was stupid that a reporter asked uh, Nagy if he was worried about coaching the last two games. What is that going to accomplish for the Bears if they fire Nagy now? Well, you know what I mean? Like history. Go ahead, finish finish the season, and there, in my opinion, or and in yours, is there a way he comes back? I mean, if he does, the Bears have to be the dumbest franchise. You just steal that from the Browns, then. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, there's so many options out there. Um, I would not suggest going the college route, as there might be some flack if you do that after Urban Meyer. <laughs> um, but there are I, I guys. Wouldn't... That was the issue. Today is the first day, which I didn't put that in the. I forgot to put that in the uh, news. But today is the first day teams can start interviewing head coaches and that was why teams were thinking people were thinking the bears would fire matt Nagy today uh but like i said it's history it's history if they do fire him the bears have never fired a head coach in season so i know unless you can get nick saban um maybe Dabo, but i don't even think Dabo. i don't his personality to me doesn't translate to the pros and we are, and we already can have that argument that Saban was at the Dolphins, right? But if he went to someone that gave him more GM control, because that's the difference in the NFL and college, you have more tro- control in college. I wouldn't hire college coaches. Just stay away. Well, Dabo is uh, getting pissed off about the NIL stuff right now. So I know uh, my one, my favorite capper on. Twitter, Troy Hermo, he, he has mentioned before, uh, you know, Dabo's got a, uh, a former quarterback be, in the NFL right now. He would be now. really good. He would be a good coach for Justin Fields, in my opinion. I would say that. Well, why not reunite him in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence? Oh, I don't think Khan would go college coach back-to-back, though, for how bad it ended. Does True. that make sense? True. I mean, he would have... Etienne and he would have Lawrence. Exactly. And and the difference is, I think, you have never heard of any 
issues with Dabo. No, any, not at all. any controversies? Because even at Ohio State, Urban Meyer had controversies. Oh, 100 percent. So, but Clemson and here's Dabo a, has never had anything. And here's the thing: someone's gonna. It, I I don't know that Urban will ever. Maybe he finally saw the writing on the wall. But even let's say it's five years down the road, some college program's gonna give him another chance because his his track record at college is really successful. If he wants to. Uh, Bears plus seven, over 41 hit. And this was the first one of the little two-leg parlay I, I bet live. Uh, Bears plus 11 and a half, I bet, when they were down by 10 points in this game. Which was fantastic. Thank you, Mr. Foles. I will not... I told you to do that. Yeah, all the credit goes. I will not say... For the sake of the fans, I will not say your Philadelphia nickname. <laughs> <laughs> it it the initials are BDN though. Just do with that what you will. This was the second uh, half of that live parlay that I bet Steelers plus twenty seven and a half. <laughs> and thank right. thank you Ben Rossberg for throwing a touchdown to Deontay Johnson late. But anyways, Chiefs roll in the Steelers thirty six to ten. This game was, I, I didn't even like. I started, there's a lot. I started. In laughing. my opinion, in my opinion, there's a lot to unpack. Even though the game was never close. And okay, the Chiefs locked up their division. After all of everybody worrying about them, they turn a corner. But that's what good teams do. And I told you, this wasn't on air. It might. Well, I. I think I had one hit to it of you played a lot in the postseason. Your body gets wear and tear. And that first few weeks you have, I don't even call it, it's not a layover, a Super Bowl layover, layover they call it, but it's a fatigue. Now they're rounding in form. There's, Mahomes is starting to drop the ball everywhere. But for me, Roethlisberger still doesn't look bad as long as the offensive line holds up. He's not as mobile as he used to be, and when I say mobile, he could move three, four, five steps out of the pocket. He has to stay in the pocket a lot longer than he has with his age. He's always been a big guy and hard to take down. He had two turnovers. So does that translate that he can go somewhere next year? Maybe, maybe not if he wants to. Um, the other thing is Najee Harris looked – Way better, and you've been saying that all season. Mm-hmm. Is it garbage time? Uh, no. The thing is, well, the, the thing is, Najee, for many of his runs, he wasn't getting a lot. But then he would break like nine or twelve yard runs every like four runs, and it was that's how he got a lot of his yards. But yeah, I mean, I just started laughing at this game because um, it started out thirty to nothing. The interception, I will say both turnovers from Ben Rossberg were not his fault. The first one, the interception, the wind took it because it was very windy at Arrowhead. And it just carried the ball deeper than he wanted to throw it. So, you know, maybe that is his fault. Maybe that is, I, I say it's not. Um, the fumble most definitely was not his fault. Kendrick Green, the rookie center, I mean, he just got bushwhacked by the defensive tackle. And Ben, 
Ben was like one step into his drop back. Yeah. And he's on him. him. And he just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the defensive tackle smacks the ball oh. out of his hands. Like, what do you want? That, that's why I brought it up is I actually, and I, and I think most people would, would laugh at me, I, I commend Roethlisberger's play in this game. He got up multiple times, and he was, and it's not even that vocal thing we're talking about with Herbert. That's his competitiveness. He's saying, give me one more second. Give me one more second on a block, and I'm going to hit someone downfield. And he was getting up saying, all right, defense, get me a stop and get me the ball back. Like You can mm-hmm. tell that he still had that fire at his age. It's just, what are you going to do when you're in your drop? Like you said, your drop back and someone's on you. And that goes back to the offensive line. And, and you know, I don't know that he would be any better in Carolina. I could see Roethlisberger. He's not going to live up to Breeze. But I think him and Sean Payton could have success if Sean Payton doesn't go and get Russell Wilson. And people would say, what are you talking? I mean, I think Roethlisberger still has enough arm strength, the mobility is always going to be a question. So you have to put him behind a really good offensive line. Hey, man, I, I have seen Ben run more this year, though, than I have ever, ever in the last, like, five years. <laughs> He's so, it, it is the most hilarious thing to watch Ben Roethlisberger run. And, and a lot of it is going to come from, <laughs> if you want to play another year, you have to get your body ready to play He's another not. year. He's done. He's he's done after this season. He's, he will retire, Steeler. And uh, I hope so. It's going to be. I mean, in my opinion, I hope he does that. Um, so then, are you going to get Aaron Rodgers? I'm just kidding. Later, later. Daryl Williams. I was annoyed by him. Clyde Edwards-Helaire got hurt, and of course, Daryl Williams got all the all the touches after that. This one week after, but even before Clyde got hurt. Williams was a was getting a lot of touches. And this coming one week after I started this mofo in the fantasy playoffs first round in my dynasty league. Because all my other running backs are on IR. Chris Carson, Chris McCaffrey, and co. 1.2 points last week. And this week, he comes out and scores 11 and a half. I, I, do, have to, I do have to say... And and we've talked about it. The pride of, of, of the Steelers has has been defense lately, and TJ Watt and all that. There were a lot. The reason I attribute this for being thirty to zero at one point, really, when it got to twenty three to zero, I was like, I stopped counting missed tackles. And I don't. I don't. Mikkel had a juke, and all these guys had a juke, but there were a lot of missed tackles for the Steelers. Yeah, it, it's just they need to fix their secondary too, and it's it. You don't see T.J. Watt on here. He was a non-factor. I mean, granted, you got to give it to him. The man was playing with cracked ribs. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he found he and against a quarterback like Mahomes, you can get in the backfield, right? Oh yeah, he was. Not, if you're not a hundred percent, and he was in the backfield, Mahomes can go to the left or right and throw those. How many sidearm passes did he have? Three or four this game, and one of them was for a beautiful yeah. uh, touchdown. Yeah, a window was... literally this big. Yeah. Only a cat could have got through. Yeah, the majority of the time it was just like TJ was rushing upfield, and then Mahomes would step right under him um, and and get out. 
Uh, and I think the cracked the cracked ribs hurt TJ's uh, repertoire of moves because I think that's why you didn't see him bull rush a lot. Up and under. And, well, yeah. because, like I said, he was rushing up a lot and up and around. And I think with the cracked ribs, he wasn't able to get all that power or it would have hurt to bull rush uh, because I think in a normal situation, you know, TJ would have switched it up and bull rushed once in a while. Um, <clears throat> or, or try to jump inside. So. And and before we move on, the, the Chiefs defense has really answered the bell. I got to give credit in this win streak to Steve Spagnola. Oh, yeah. And he's had success. You know, he was really successful with the Giants in their, in their Super Bowls. Came to St. Louis was okay as a head coach, but he's a good DC. Yeah. I mean he's from the Jim Johnson tree, man. Look who else is he, Sean McDermott. Leslie Frazier. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, guys like that. Just absolutely crazy. Uh and also Tyreek Hill didn't do anything in this game either. Uh no. Byron Pringle was a star, six for seventy-five, two touchdowns. So he was good. He was he was, you know, he was good. And they had some people in the depth chart, so it pushed up Meikle. And I'll only bring him up because we are Georgia, and we both feel like, you know, he's never going to be an an All Pro. But with his speed, you think we would see his name more often than the first week at at 11 and 4, right? But he had a nice juke move and found the end zone. Mark, you already know. I don't like me, Cole. I know. That's <laughs> why. I'm just saying he has ties to us because we're Georgia guys. Uh, defensively, Trevarius Ward, the corner for the Chiefs, three tackles, all of them solo, one tackle floss, pass flexion, and a pick. And Travis Kelsey also just wrecked my fantasy weekend be staying on the COVID list. I was holding out hope that he was going to clear and that I'd have I knew, him. I knew that hurt you. It was either, I mean, I had him in two leagues. My Two of my dynasty leagues, I have him. One I had already lost in the first round. The other one I was still playing in the playoffs. And it was funny, though, because if he would have played, I would have played him, obviously. But then I was also I also would have been playing against him in one of my other leagues. So I lost anyways in both. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chiefs cover minus 10 over 44. Raiders, AFC West divisional showdown, massive playoff implications. Raiders keeping their season alive, 17 to 13 over the Broncos. Uh, Broncos still one game out. Raiders have the least chance of making it out of all of the AFC 8 and 7 teams which include the Ravens, Chargers and themselves Um, because they lose all the tiebreakers (laughs) they lose head to head against the Chargers, they lose uh, well it doesn't matter what they lose against the Ravens because the head to head against the Chargers knocks them down Um, they would actually they would actually win the tiebreaker over the Ravens based off conference record right now. Uh, six and four in conference. Raiders, Ravens are only five and six. 
So, uh, anyways, Derek Carr was decent. Turned it over twice. Uh, Drew Locke missed the big opportunity in this game, uh, especially. When the the defense gave him field, gave him shorter fields. I mean, two turnovers from Josh, Derek Carr. Josh, Jake, yeah. Jacobs fumbled, and that's three turnovers right there that they took no advantage of at all. I, well, they might have, they might have taken advantage of one, but. I mean, it came down to that. It, exactly, what we were talking about this field advantage. Are you going to kick a field goal when they give you great field advantage, or are you going to put it in the end zone? When you're down there, and that's the difference, because if if Chris was here, he'd say, because what I would say is 20 for 25 is really good. You had 20 completions for only five misses, and yeah, you had one interception, but he would say he only threw for 201 yards, and mm-hmm. he's right. None The offenses didn't um, produce a lot of yardage, which makes it a small scoring game. And when Josh Jacobs, he cut, I mean, 129 yards, they use him as the X factor. But the one big thing is he catches it, turns, boom, fumble, and they don't capitalize in the red zone. And the Broncos had a chance to win this if they would have got that stop. I think it was fourth down, right? It was fourth and two or fourth and four. And Carr finds somebody for 21 yards. Yeah, it was third and two. Third and two. Sorry. Then you would have to, I mean, they were, you could have still went on it on fourth down, but it's third and two, and they get a 21-yard first down, and all they did was melt the clock the rest of the way. Yeah. the I looked at it, and the Broncos converted two of the three turnovers. They They scored 10 points off three turnovers in the game and they could have had 13 points but brandon mcmanus missed a field goal on the second fumble uh what was weird though i mean the raiders defense did a very good job against the running game of the broncos which had been humming along uh i'm not sure exactly why i mean it was just pitiful you know Devontae Williams, 7 for 12 yards. and Luckily, he scored a touchdown. I mean, saved his fantasy day. Not that that helped any. And then Melvin Gordon, I mean, he absolutely just screwed me in, in my dynasty league, dude. I mean, 7 carries, negative 4 yards. Yeah. And then, luckily, I mean, he caught one ball for 4 yards, which canceled out his 4 receiving minus yard or rushing minus yards, and I got 1 point out of him. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's the thing, too. Like, how did they only have 20, uh, 38 plays on offense? 22 throws, 16 carries. How did that happen with three turnovers? Like, <laughs> that makes absolutely no sense. Or, or they had 40. They had 40 total plays. Uh, for 158 total yards. I that's I just don't understand how that how that works. <laughs> so, and uh, 
16 rushing yards. Or 16 rushing attempts. 18 rushing yards. It's just absolutely ridiculous. It's pitiful offense. Anyways, uh, receiving-wise, I was annoyed once again. For the second straight week, dude, like, what are... What happened to Hunter Renfro? Luckily, he scored. Uh, look, they find him when they need him, but they Carr is not going to him the way he's went to him. The like it, for me, when when they needed a third down conversion, they went to him. Now it's I know my trusted receiver in the red zone, and I don't know if it was like well. Darren Waller's been out, and maybe Darren Waller took coverage off of Renfro, and that's why. I, I 100% believe that. I 100% believe that. And now it's like, well, Moreau is thriving without Darren Waller in there. Brian Edwards was on the COVID list, so he didn't play in this game. Uh, Zay Jones isn't on here either. But, uh, yeah, I've been disappointed, and Hunter Renfro screwed me in the in the fantasy playoffs. So, Still love you, Hunter. You're still one of my favorite players as one of the small, small white white slot receivers out there <laughs> in that that mold. But uh, I need more, bud. I need more from you. Defensively, I'm going with Max Crosby. He is also one of my favorite players. Three tackles, all of them solos, one sack, two tackles lost, and a QB hit. Just crazy, crazy. Uh, fifth, fifth round pick. I believe it's fifth round. Or no, fourth. Fourth round pick. Two years ago out of Eastern Michigan. Great find by Mike Mayock. Raiders covered. It was a pick 'em and under 41 and a half. All right, we're not going to spend much time on this game. The Cowboys, I mean, snoozer in on Sunday Night Football. 56 to 14. It was 42 to 7 at halftime. It was just absolutely ridiculous. And, um, I was, I, dude, I was annoyed. I, I mean, I had, I had two, two little three-leg parlays on this game that I thought were going to hit in the first half. Uh, you know, because Schultz scored, Zeke scored, uh, I got my Cooper receiving yards, but then it screwed me up because my thinking was Cowboys are going to be up, which they were, and then they're going to run the ball. They're going to run it like 40 times and get a lot of yards. So I had Zeke over rushing yards. I had Tony Pollard over rushing yards. Neither happened. I also had Zeke to get 13 carries. I was like, bro, that's like a normal game for him. The man gets nine carries the whole game, 37 yards. And Pollard, I tell you what. I mean, yeah. When Zeke found the end zone and they were looking at it, he fell on someone's knee. I was like, it brought me back to the old Cowboys days. Hear me out on this. If you and you're younger, but their dynasty years in the mid '90s. I mean, that's what I grew up watching before the Rams were in St. Louis permanently. And Emmitt Smith was sweeping out to the side. And you had Michael Irvin, just big receiver going long. You had Jay Novacek. 
And I'm like, okay, he scores this touchdown. You can use him up the middle. You can go outside. And I thought after the touchdown, what I'm getting back to is he would get more carries. They didn't go back to him. Now, did did they need to? No, but when you're up, how are you not running the ball? Yeah, there was absolutely no reason that Dak should have thrown 39 times in this game. What they did is they tried to get him. When your owner comes out and says, you're in a funk, I do do believe all of us can say that Dak Prescott's in a funk. Jerry Jones' voice. That's not his voice. They, they just gave him the ball and said, here's a game to get you back in your mindset and in your rhythm. That's that's what they did. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was just annoying. Again, I, I saw no reason for Dak to throw for 39 times in this game. When, they're up 21 nothing at the first quarter. 42-7 to at halftime. You should not have thrown one single pass in the second half being up 42-7. to There is no reason to throw it all in the second half. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, and then, when they got up so much, I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and put Tony Pollard anytime touchdown at plus 450, $10 to win 45. I was like, bro, he's going to get all the carries because they're going to bench their starters in the second half. Tony Pollard's going to get all the carries. No, what do they do? They come out, they're throwing with Cooper Rush. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? I don't know. Oh, my God. And then Cooper Rush, and then they get down there, right? And Pollard gets the carry on first down, doesn't get in. I'm like, all right, we're good. We're on the three-yard, four-yard line. Keep running the ball. Put Pollard in the end zone. I usually hate Tony Pollard because he takes all the stuff away from Zeke. But then they're up so much, and Zeke's already out of the game. I was like, well, and I already had Pollard anytime touchdown. I was like, bro, give the ball to number 20. And what do they do? They freaking throw it again to Malik Turner in the end zone. Cause he, just because he had a 61-yard run that he juked out 10 out of the 11 defenders on the field for Washington. God, it's so frustrating. Another thing that's frustrating, betting-wise, normally when the Cowboys are on prime time, and, you know, I like to bet first touchdown score. Normally, I will go and bet Zeke. <laughs> and I was thinking about doing that in this game. But I was like, no. Normally, when I bet Zeke, it doesn't work out. <laughs> so I'm going to go and bet a guy with more value, which is what you <laughs> like, which is what you like to do. Which is what what you what you like to do? It didn't work out. You gotta either. you gotta you gotta look for the value. So I went Dalton Schultz plus a thousand first touchdown score. What happens? He scores the second touchdown. Bro, <laughs> like, come on, dude! Like you couldn't score the first one. Let Zeke score the second one. And the thing is, he he got the ball down to the five yard line where Zeke scored. I was like, dude, come on. Uh, but anyways, yeah, a lot of stats. You can see all of them, or you can. It's pretty. Are smart. you taking the Cowboys serious? No, I, I, it's it's still the Cowboys, and they're playing Washington, who had to come off a Tuesday game. I know where they got railed by the Eagles. First off, they get railed again. Their defense is in disarray. 
Heineke was coming off the COVID list. The one thing I will give the Cowboys is their defense is playing outstanding right now. And they clinched they, they clinched the division before this game because the Falcons and Raiders both won, which clinched them the strength of victory tiebreaker over the Eagles. Um so you know who it, I don't probably worry made about them go them? into this game a little bit more free, but you know who I don't worry about? I actually I'm not worried about Dak. I think Dak has handled his business from day one when he came in the league. I think he fell in the lap of the Cowboys. I don't know that he would have been any better in a different system. I'm worried about their running game, and that has nothing, in my opinion, to do with their offensive line because they give enough time for Dak to make decisions. I wonder if Zeke is 100%. Or is as is he really as good of a back as he is when he came into this league? Yeah. Yeah. Zeke's always been weird the last two years, but um, another big man touchdown in this game here. Terrence Steele, one-yard touchdown catch. Uh, defensively, how can you not go with Demarcus Lawrence? I mean, look how long his stat line is, dude. Two tackles, all both yep. of, both of them solos, sack, tack loss, pass flexion, QB hit, and a forty-one yard a forty-yard pick six. Where he juked the guy out on the sideline. Defensive end, baby. Uh, one thing that I was confused on, though, the Cowboys currently sit in the second seed, and I have no idea how. Because the first tiebreaker for NFL playoff seeding is head to head, right? Right. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat Dallas week one. The Rams never played Dallas this year, so you can't do head to head there. So I just don't understand how the Bucks aren't two, or the the Rams aren't two because the Rams beat the Bucks, and the Bucks would be three, and the Cowboys are four. I just Cowboys Cowboys have had to have a win over someone that the Rams lost to, and it still is there's still a point differential, which is what people were talking about. No, but the 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 thing that ESPN says is that they win the tiebreaker over LA and Tampa based off conference win percentage, which is the second tiebreaker, as far as I know. So they have more wins against people. They have the best conference, conference record in both conferences. They're 9-1 and one against the NFC. But you also have to say they, they play the Giants each more than the Rams in Tampa Bay. Well, they're 5-0 five, they're five and oh in the division. That's, that's the thing. But again, it I I still don't get why the Rams aren't two, the Bucks aren't three, and the Cowboys aren't four. It just makes so much sense in my head, where if you if you say head to head is the first one, even though the Rams and Cowboys haven't played, the Rams still beat the Bucks, the Bucks still beat the Cowboys. If we win, if if we move forward in the future, and we have an AFC and NFC, and get rid of the divisions. That would make sense. Yeah. And who says that we don't? I mean, I like I like when you have the rivalries of the Eagles and Giants and Cowboys. But what if you just made it an NFC and AFC and you said X amount of teams make the playoffs from here up? 
I I don't think that you would lose rivalries. I don't know. I I I don't want that because I still love the division. It goes back to baseball more than bas- basketball needs that. They need no divisions. But in baseball, you have like the Cubs, Cardinals. You're fighting it out. But there is something to argue: is what if you have more wins in one division and you get an eight and eight team in in another division? What if you got rid of the divisions and you only had NFC and AFC? That's why there is divisions. That's if you would have a better playoff product if you did just say we're going to take the top teams from both divisions. Yeah, but then you have the situation where the seven and nine Seahawks beat the Saints. I know, and you have the wild card Giants. Yeah, I I, I, I like Twice. those. So I think <laughs> I think there's an argument on, on both sides. I think I think there is. Um, Cowboys covered minus ten over forty six by themselves. Crazy. They, I mean, they had over forty six hit in the first half. So. <laughs> All right, NCAA news. Got some transfers here. Ohio State quarterback Jack Miller the third transferring to Florida to be a quarterback for Billy Napier. Uh, this one, I'm looking at Heisman for next season, Mark. Um, Georgia Tech running back Jameer Gibbs transferring to Alabama. I agree, and someone asked me if he was eligible for the national championship game if they were to go there, and I said no. No, yeah. You can't transfer and play <laughs> the same season. <laughs> uh even though they still have Brian Robinson, I just I feel I have a feeling about Gibbs for some reason, and I don't even know much about him, being that he's at Georgia Tech. Who the hell watches Georgia Tech? But <laughs> not me. Only when they play Georgia, that's the only time I watch them. Uh, great news for Coastal Carolina quarterback Grayson McCall is returning for a third year as a starter. Um, returning to the Chanticleers next season. And, I mean, hell, if if McCall keeps it up for Coastal, I don't know exactly what the uh, quarterback situation is next year in the draft, but why can't Grayson McCall be a first-rounder if not the, the number one quarterback next year? 100% agree. Just keep doing what you're doing, getting better, putting the school on the map. There's been a lot of quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers that have came from small schools. Uh, Jerry Rice, not a lot of people can name his school. Yeah, I mean, look at this year. I mean, you're gonna have you're gonna have Carson Strong from Nevada up there this year. Uh, you had Carson Wentz from North Dakota State, 2017. So what about Steve McNair back in the day? Yeah. Um, Was. Was Ty Detmer and Steve Young was BYU a big name back then? I don't. I mean, Coastal Carolina could be like a BYU. Zach Wilson, BYU. Um, Ohio State wide receiver Garrett Wilson. He has officially declared for the NFL draft. And Dan Lanning has gotten a an assistant. Big time uh, Steelers offensive line coach Adrian Clem is heading to Oregon. To be the offensive line coach, run game coordinator, and the assistant head coach there. Uh, assistant offensive line coach Chris Morgan is going to take over 
his duties for the Steelers the last two games. I think that I mean not to we're not going to dwell on it, but I think that's a really good hire for a first time coach, especially a coach that is leaving the SEC and going all the way out west. And uh, finally, speaking of Dan Lanning, the they announced today he will be calling the defensive signals for Georgia in their college football playoff semifinal game. So, great to have Dan Lanning one last ride. Uh, hopefully two last rides, right? <laughs> but Let's please, baby. Yes, Jesus, please help us. Um, NFL news here, starting off, uh, talking about 2022 Giants. Cool with me. It is cool. It's perfectly cool with me being an Eagles fan. Giants are bringing back head coach Joe Judge and quarterback Daniel Jones for 2022. Good job, bud. Good, great job. (laughs) Thank you, John Mara, for another two wins next year. (laughs) Or I'll say one. I'll say I, don't, I, can, I can only laugh because you're an Eagles fan. Like, I don't know what to expect. I'll say, I'll say one because we always struggle against the Giants for some reason. I don't know why. Unless, except when we were playing Eli Manning. Then we, were, we just killed the Giants every time because Eli couldn't play the Eagles. <laughs> uh, Jags. They have started their head coaching search. Like I said, today is the first day for current that you can uh, you can uh, start interviewing current people on teams. Uh, but they are starting their search with two ex head coaches that are not currently on anyone's teams. Uh, former Eagles head coach Doug Peterson and former Colts head coach Jim Caldwell. Both uh, the Jags are interested in interviewing both there. Doug Peterson, obviously, off this year, um, which has boosted it, it's boosted his uh, his candidacy. There's a lot of teams apparently interested in Doug Peterson this year. Jim Cal- Jim Caldwell is a weird one. He's been he's been floated around for jobs for the last couple of years, and he just hasn't caught on anywhere. I don't know if it's him denying positions or if it's just. I think- yeah. I don't. I don't think he was a terrible head coach. I mean, you have to look at, I guess, the win loss record. But I mean, he won. He had Andrew Luck. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He he won. I think you look at the administration sometimes that people fall underneath. Um, I think Doug Peterson. Look what he did with the Eagles. I, he lost that locker room, and I do believe that you have to own the locker room to be successful. Not own it, but but be trusted and respected and 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 able to inspire professional athletes. But I don't. I think he would be a good fit with. I think he could turn around Trevor Lawrence's rookie year. You you could answer it more to me because you're more Philly than I am, but. I never thought Philadelphia had a quarterback problem underneath them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, we'll see. I I would have liked to see Doug go back and take an offensive coordinator job somewhere. 
this season. And see how see how I, he does. I agree with with what he did though. I think he it was a much needed year off after what went on the last year in Philly. So. Uh, and didn't he have success as the OC? Wasn't he in in he Kansas was City? The Chiefs' offensive coordinator before Matt Nagy was. Yeah. And I mean. If I'm Lawrence, I look at that. Uh, here's what I would do if I'm Con in in Jacksonville. I'm bringing Trevor Lawrence into these. In, uh, you don't have to be in the interviews, but I'm gauging his entrance interest. Do you want a good OC? Do you want somebody that's going to establish culture? What are you looking for mm-hmm. in a coach? What what was Dabo? How did Dabo? How would you say Dabo was a coach? Was he offensive minded? Was he, was he atmosphere? What was he relationship? And he let his OCs do their job. But I'm, I'm gauging interest if we if we're building around him. Um, all right, let's get to COVID. Players placed on the list. There's a lot more again, like there is almost every week. Uh, Patriots linebacker linebackers Matt Judon and Jawan Bentley. Bucks wide receiver Mike Evans, Ravens defensive tackle Justin Matabike, and linebacker Justin Houston, uh, Rams left tackle Andrew Whitworth. That happened prior to their game. Uh, same thing with Patriots defensive tackle Dietrich Wise Jr. prior to the Bills game. Uh, same thing with Jaguars linebacker Miles Jack. Um, and then Jags also added today tight end Dan Arnold and defensive end Caleb on Chason. Jets defensive lineman Quinnen Williams, Raiders wide receiver Brian Edwards, and quarterback Marcus Mariota. Again, those were both before the Broncos game. Uh, Colts corner TJ Carey, running back Marlon Mack, and offensive tackle Braden Smith. Panthers defensive end Brian Burns, linebacker Shaq Thompson, and defensive end Marquise Haynes Sr. Bengals quarterback Brandon Allen. Eagles defensive end Derek Barnett, and defensive end Teron Jackson. Titans wide receiver Julio Jones, linebacker Bud Dupree, and wide receiver Nick Westbrook-Akina. Texans running back David Johnson, Chargers corner Chris Harris Jr., and safety Nasir Adderley. Again, a lot of big names. We'll see who clears and who doesn't by Sunday. So That's one of the, that's one of the biggest, biggest things now every weekend. It's like, well, who's going to play? Who's not? <laughs> who's coming off the list and who isn't? Uh, especially when you talk about this weekend. This weekend's big. It's not big for me because I lost last weekend. So uh, Big for a lot of people, though. It's Fantasy Championship weekend, week 17. Usually it would have been last week with the 17-game season. 17-week schedule. 16-game season. Um, only one notable name activated off the list today. Your boy. <laughs> Lions quarterback Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah, my boy. <laughs> uh, someone who is losing a lot of money because of COVID is Bills wide receiver Cole Beasley. He has been fined multiple times. He's unvaccinated. We are we've known that since like March <laughs> when he came out and said he wasn't going to be vaccinated. Uh, He's been fined multiple times, though, for COVID violations in the building uh, to a sum of a collective sum of almost around $100,000. So, <laughs> I guess keep paying the fines, Cole. 
Uh, all right, injuries. A lot of major ones coming out of this weekend. Jags, running back James Robinson, done for the year. Torn Achilles. Uh, long road back to next season. So, I mean, they'll have two, two backs, you know, coming off. Luckily for ETN, he, he got injured in training camp, so at least he's – or the preseason. So, at least he's going to be 100% more than likely by the time – August rolls around next year. Uh, but I don't know. James Robinson, I don't know if he'll be 100 by the time week one comes next season with an Achilles. That's a tough injury. <clears throat> um, Bucks linebacker Shaq Barrett, he has a sprained ACL and MCL. Should return for the playoffs, they said. So more than likely he's done for the last two games. <clears throat> Rams running back Daryl Henderson Jr., he has a knee sprain. I was under the impression that it was minor, but the Rams just placed him on IR, which I believe is season-ending because that's his second time on IR, right? This year? Yep. Yeah, and you can't go on IR more than once in a season. So, Daryl Henderson done for the year. It's continuing to be Sony Michelle time. Uh... Giants offensive tackle Matt Peart. He is done for the last two games. He has a torn ACL. Uh, big news out of San Francisco. We know they are 8-7 and seven in the sixth seed right now. It's going to be tough these last two games. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, has a chipped bone and a torn UCL ligament in his right thumb. They said he's going to try to play this week. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if it's Garoppolo or Trey Lance. But, yeah. You know what, though? It's all good, San Fran. <laughs> Start the rookie. <laughs> uh, we, will, we will gladly take... The sixth seed. Actually, you know what, though? I wouldn't mind playing the Cowboys in the playoffs two weeks in a row. It wouldn't phase me. Um, I'd much rather play the Cowboys knowing who the opponent is. You know, knowing that you've played them two times before this year. And what would even make it, make it better is if the Eagles could somehow get in the playoffs and lose to the Cowboys in Week 17 and then play the Cowboys again. Because, as we know, playing a team for a third time is tough. And I would... I think that's, that's hard. I think that yeah. scenario for the Eagles, getting swept by Dallas, and then having to go and play them again the next week, would be a great scenario. And a lot of bullets and board material for Nick Sirianni. Because um, otherwise, I would... Much rather not have to feud with you on Wild Card Weekend. Um, <laughs> that makes the show even better. We need to feud. <laughs> uh, and I'd rather not play the Bucks, which there's no one is going to get to the five seed other than the Cardinals or the Rams. So, yeah. Hey, but if the Cardinals can win the division, <laughs> I'll go to Arizona. I will gladly go to, let the Eagles go to Arizona and play the Cardinals. 
how badly they're playing. Uh, sticking with your Rams, though, uh, rookie linebacker Ernest Jones, he has a high ankle sprain week to week. Should return for the playoffs there. Uh, getting to my Eagles, though, running back injury issues. Running back Miles Sanders, he has a broken bone in his hand. <clears throat> it is to be determined on whether he can play this weekend against Washington or not. He left the building with a soft cast on his hand, so what to see. Uh, also, running back Jordan Howard, he has a stinger, which usually you're fine <clears throat> being classified with a stinger, but <clears throat> the only issue is two years ago when he was with Philadelphia, he was also initially classified with a stinger, ended up missing six games uh, with a neck injury oh. there. So, oh. Ravens corner Anthony Averett, he has a, fr a fractured rib, likely going to be out this week. Uh, Baltimore just, I don't even know who, they probably don't even know who they're starting at corner every week now. <laughs> the amount of injuries they've had in the secondary. Uh, Jets off to tackle Mekhi Becton. He's done for the year. I didn't hear anything about the actual injury. I just saw a quote from Robert Sala that said, uh, he said Becton is out for the season. Or he said <clears throat> Becton is done for the year. So, I have no idea. Oh, actually, you know what? I forgot. I forgot. It won't probably be completely Sony Michelle time because I completely forgot. The Rams are getting back a running back, too. Anderson? Cam Akers. No, Cam Akers is coming out, oh, coming back Akers. for the gotcha. playoffs. Um, wow. So, Henderson has an MCL sprain. Ian Rappaport just said Cam Akers has a chance to play this weekend. That's big time. Torn Achilles in July. Now, uh, yeah, I don't... I mean, he could play. I don't know how I would. Man, how old is Akers? He must be young. Oh yeah, he's only in his third season, I believe. I mean, he's young, but that's still really, really fast. <clears throat> that's five, fast for an ACL. Five five months. Um, I would hold him maybe, till the playoffs. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't like. Tear it! Tear it! Was it like a partial tear or. I thought it was a tear. That, that's unheard of. He uh, must have spent like two months in a hyperbaric chamber by himself rehabbing. Yeah. I would I would hold him to the playoffs, um, especially with a one-game lead on the Cardinals in the division. I mean, Achilles is usually a year. The only thing is is that, you know, the Rams are still in play. You know, every everyone is still in play for that number one seed. With the Bucks, yeah. Cowboys, and Rams only being one game back of the Packers, and also, even if they don't get the one, they're still in play for the two. So, uh, I think the most important before we move on for having home field advantage is is Tampa Bay. Maybe they won the Super Bowl without it last year, so they did until the Super Bowl. Hundred percent, they did. Uh, maybe, maybe then the Packers need it for cold weather. Packers most definitely need it. Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Helaire, he has a bruised shoulder. He is week to week. Week to week, or yeah, I thought I saw that. And then 
Uh, Cardinals, they hosted former Vikings corner uh, Bashad Breland today for a visit. So, Cardinals trying to get some help on the outside. All right, pick standings. This is not correct. <laughs> Forgot to calculate those. My B. Uh, whatever. We'll calculate them and, and show them sometime. Maybe we'll post them on Instagram. Uh, but anyways. Yeah. I, I, I believe you and Chris might probably still be tied. Maybe. Depending on how the Bulls shook out last week. I don't know. And we had like those five games, so. <clears throat> I can't even keep up with all the games anymore. I could be totally last, or I could be first, and you could put me totally last. I wouldn't even know. Anyways, this game already happened today, but these were our picks. Chris Lone Wolf, Nevada, because he doesn't pay attention. Uh, I might have given Mark inside info that Carson Strong wasn't playing. So. <laughs> but I'm not going to jail. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Mark and I were on the Broncos there and, uh, we picked Western Michigan and they won. So, uh, tomorrow though, starting a, a big slate. Oh, we're all on Houston. Starting this a, is going to back, this is going to backfire. Yeah. Tomorrow starts a big slate the next three days and next four days in college football. Um, even you can go to five days too. New Year's day has got a lot of, in, on it too. Uh, but tomorrow, Ticket Smarter, uh, Birmingham Bowl, number 20, Houston against Auburn. Dude, I mean, how can we how can we p- pick Auburn? It's no Bo Nix. I believe TJ Finley will start. No, there's no Bo Nix. I, I, I joke because when we all are on the same team, but... it's I don't <clears throat> understand how Auburn's favored. That's what I don't get. You and I... Uh, <clears throat> I and, and you can't discredit... Chris, but we're always you and I are more on quarterback play, mm-hmm. and I mean for me, eight out of ten games, eighty percent that's pretty good. I would say that quarterbacks win that many games. Maybe Auburn is closer. I mean, it is closer to Birmingham, but Houston has it travels well from what I have seen from Houston. They have a good um, booster club. I do like what Auburn's coach has done in the first year coming all the way from, you know, Boise State down here. But I just don't see how you win this game with no Bo Nix. Are you just going to trample him on on defense? You do have a stud at running. When I say stud, he's one of the fastest running backs in the nation. Plus, I didn't know this, but uh, reading the pregame thing, uh, pregame preview, Brian Harson apparently fired Mike Bobo after the final game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're working with a different offensive coordinator, or I don't know if Harson's calling the game himself. Um, it's interesting. But Auburn is trying to avoid losing five games to end the season for the first time in 71 years. So. <laughs> and when I say he's done a good job, I get I'm. I, the SEC is tough. You know that. The SEC, I, SEC and Big Ten are, are the two best conferences. They can be 1A and 1B or 1-1, whatever you can argue. I can argue with SEC fans. But he did get off to a hot, hot start, and then he dwindled as the season went. Yeah. I just 
Auburn Auburn's defense is what will keep them in this game, but I think Houston's defense is also good, and I think that I think Auburn's offense is the weakest part of this game, and I don't think they're going to be able to score enough with Houston. I don't know the answer to this, and you won't either. It's just because I'm I'm doing advertising and marketing and and corporate relations with the Rangers now. There is no website called Ticket Smarter. At least I don't. So is it like StubHub and Ticket and all these ticket things no together clue. sponsoring this bowl? I know you don't know the answer. No clue. It is at Ticket Smarter. Birmingham, Alabama, I guess where UAB plays, I'm assuming. Yeah. They have a new stadium. That's pretty nice. Protective Stadium. That's what it said it was called. <laughs> uh, oh, it's a new website. Ticket Smarter. Over Under is 51.5, and, and I am going under. Like I said, I think both defense rule the day in this game. 12 p.m. ESPN. Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, Air Force against Louisville. Of course, Chris is on the Air Force, uh, military school and all. They're going to win it because it's the Serve Pro First Responder. No. Malik Cunningham. Malik Cunningham. The only thing I need to say about this game. Air Force is very good. I'll give them that. But um, sort of a neutral site game. It's in Dallas. At Gerald J. Ford Stadium. I don't know who plays there. Mm, I don't either, honestly. I can't tell from the picture. SMU? Maybe. It is a red. There is red in the stands. I think it's SMU. Possibly. Uh, But anyways. Yeah. I just like Malik Cunningham. I picked him a couple times. You know, 6-6 Louisville. Mm -hmm. I do like Hazik Daniels too for Air Force, but and and uh, Brad Roberts, the fullback. But Air Force probably wins the game. I just, I, like, I mean, I like Malik Cunningham. It's, it's funny that you said that. We talked about it, and you're like, "Are you sure you want to roll with Louisville?" And I was like, "Yeah," but something drew me to Air Force, and I'll say this: it has nothing to do with a military school because we we we've seen Army play well. We've seen Navy play bad, and then Navy beats Army. Air Force is well-disciplined, and, and, I, and I hate to say that because that's what everybody – well, they're a military. They know what they do well, and they do it really well. Does that make sense? They don't get outside of their game plan. They don't get high. They don't get low. And at the end of every game, whether they're an underdog by 1.5, and even when they've been favored – they're close in games, and they're able to finish. And so for me, I do love Malik Cunningham. I've seen him put up numbers. If it is a close game, I think it would swing Air Force's game. If you're going to make it an athletic game where we have to score points, I think that favors Louisville. Yeah. It is, it's decreased by half a point. It's now a one-point game for Louisville. <laughs> so I, I'm as close as how we're talking led. about it. I'm not going to get a win for this, but I'll, I'll say it right now. Air Force wins this game. I just feel it. I feel it in, in my gut. Uh, Over-under is 55, though. 
I'm going over. Ellie Cunningham's going to score. If it's over, Louisville wins this game. 3.15 on ESPN. We got to gain ground on Chris, so we're going a, a, a lot of making him lone wolf some stuff. AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Mississippi State against Texas Tech. <laughs> when we were talking about this pre-show, I was like, this is a game that I just really do not want to watch. Um, it should actually be fun. Both are air raid schools. so it, it, It's air raid, and I'm picking one better air raid than the other. Yeah, and one that actually has their head coach. Um, Texas Tech using an interim head coach, or I don't know if their new head coach is coaching bowl games. You, I mean, usually that doesn't happen, so I'm assuming that they have an interim coach for this game. Uh, but yeah, I'm rolling with Mike Leach. They've done very well this year. They just came out on some games that didn't work out in their favor, so give me the Pirate. And Will Rogers. Will Rogers has been pretty good at quarterback. Uh, Over-under is 58.5. Go over, right? We just said both are air raid, so 58.5. We're hitting 60. <laughs> and Mississippi State's going to score 42 of those points. Touche. 645 ESPN. Every game's on ESPN except, like, three. Or the ESPN networks. San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Um, Here we go. Here we go. I forgot to say the Mississippi State-Texas Tech game. That is at Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium where where Memphis plays in Memphis, Tennessee. Gotcha. So, San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl, UCLA against number 18, NC State. Chris Sloan Wolf and the Wolf Pack. And we talked about this pre pre show too. And uh It always backfires for me. I, can we just can we say that first? I know you don't you like to pick against NC State. Um and I'm going I know, I talk I probably talk way too much about quarterbacks and everyone gets annoyed because I talk about quarterbacks, but DTR, baby. Give me DTR. and Leary, though, in this game, Leary can, can play. Devin Leary is, is capable. And the running game, though. The running game. That's why I'm going with UCLA, so take it away. I, I, I believe in UCLA's running game. Zach Charbonnet and Britton Brown should play an integral role in this game. Um, it's at Petco Park. In San it's, Diego. It's opposite side of the U.S. And I'm not, I don't think UCLA travels well because you have a lot more to do in L.A. than you do. Well, I'm not going to compare the cities, but how many people are really going to come out to NC State? If this was a semifinal game, I'm sure NC State fans would pay a, a lot of money to go out there. So I'm going with the, the game, the running game. And I do, I do really like Zonovan Knight, though, for NC State. He's one of my favorite backs. But, yeah. DT, give me the more experienced quarterback, too. I mean, DTR has been the starter at UCLA for three years. Or two and a half. Eh, I think it's three this year. 
At least two. I think this Devin Leary second. 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 So. Second. Yeah. This might be fun to watch though. It it, it could be a good just a good game. Yeah, and it's on prime time and not on ESPN. <laughs> you know why? Because UCLA doesn't play on ESPN. <laughs> it's a Pac-12 school. They got to deal with Fox. That's not why. Shout out. Shout out to Jordan Falk in the NC State band. We'll be looking for you. That is my wife's cousin. <laughs> uh, over under 60. 60. Can we get to 60? I, think I actually think this is going to be high scoring. I, I do. I mean, why wouldn't it be? I agree. Look at the Mississippi State-NC State game. Look at UCLA-LSU. Like, these teams together, I think they could combine for that. 8 p.m. on Fox. Last game tomorrow, guaranteed rate bowl, West Virginia against Minnesota again. This kind of like Mississippi State, Texas Tech. I was like, bro, why why should I watch this game? <laughs> uh, and we're all on the Golden Gophers for some some odd reason. Did we? I know. Did we, pick them, did we pick them because they have a better record? Did we pick them because PJ Fleck? Like uh, these are the these two teams. You could coin flip all season how they play. Yeah, I think PJ Fleck. Plus, Minnesota's coming off their biggest win of the season, <laughs> beating Wisconsin to deny Wisconsin a berth in the Big Ten championship. And third, I'm going. I know you hate me. Quarterback, <laughs> James Morgan, uh, has played very well down the stretch for Minnesota. So I'm going with the Golden Go. That's why I'm going with Gophers anyways. Plus, we have our, our friend, Olivia, who is a Golden Gopher fan. So. Uh, this game is at Chase Field in Phoenix. I don't know who... Oh, is that where the di- is that where the uh, the D backs play? Is that where Chase, at Chase Field? Chase oh yeah, Field? yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so this is our first baseball game. It's got a re- it's got a retractable roof, so you know it can open and shut. Oh, it better be open. <laughs> uh, over under for this one here is 45 45 give me the under i think both teams are going to run the ball letty brown for west virginia should be a lot have a lot to do with this game i don't think neil brown is gonna put Jarrett daggy in a lot of passing situations so yeah late one though it's 10 15 on espn Nope, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> you probably won't miss much. <laughs> Until it becomes one of the best bowl games of the season. I'll get a text message at midnight. Mark, they're in the third over. They're, they're starting the second overtime. <laughs> it becomes one of the best bowl games of the season. Uh, all right. Wednesday. New Era Pinstripe Bowl. Let's go. Let's go. We are going to lose this because I thought Virginia Tech was – favored but let's go fighting new eyes so this this was 
this day was supposed to start earlier uh, at Fenway Park with SMU in Virginia. That got canceled because of COVID. Uh, this one at Yankee Stadium. Pinstripe Bowl always is. Um, but yeah, fighting day, Mew Eyes. We are on Talia Tagovailoa. I don't even know, like, Virginia Tech is just in flux. You know, they hired Brent Pry, so it's going to be whoever coaching this game for them. Uh, Got to trust in Mike Loxley from Maryland as the head coach here. So give me the Terps. And they have a geographic advantage. They're a little bit closer. <laughs> Just a tiny bit. Uh, Washington, D.C. to or College Park. I should say Georgetown. Washington, D.C. College Park, Maryland, then uh, Blacksburg, Virginia. Just a tiny bit. It's literally like probably, I don't know, hour... Uh, it's probably more like a two-hour difference to get from College Park to Blacksburg, I would say. Two, two and a half. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Definitely closer to Yankee Stadium than Virginia Tech is. Tiny bit. But this should have, this should have a good show up for both fans. Both fans, fan bases should, should fill out Yankee Stadium. Uh, over-under is 55. And I actually like the over. You know, Braxton Burmeister can sling it for the Hokies as well. So I like, give me a shootout at Yankee Stadium. Talia Tagavaloa versus Braxton Burmeister. And I don't, I don't, both defenses I don't think are that great, so. High scoring. 215 on ESPN. Everyone's favorite bowl game every year. The Cheez-It Bowl. I know I got a box of Cheez-Its for Christmas. This is true. I, I have it back here. I might eat some on the uh, show on Friday. When, at your house. Oh, well, yeah, we're going to be right next to each other. I miss those. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really stoked to be doing it next to you again. Um, but yeah, number nineteen, Clemson against Iowa State. <laughs> we're we're going against Dabo, man. I don't know that it was against Dabo. It was against the quarterback <laughs> play that he's had this season, and he lost his his best deep his right hand man in Brett Venables. Unless he maybe I didn't look into the news. He might be coaching this game. Highly doubt it. If he's coaching this game, they probably win. Well, he lost both, though, right? He lost Venables Elliot. and Tony Elliott. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Dabo's just going to call all the signals for both sides. <laughs> <laughs> no, he moved people up. Um, I do know that he moved with kind of like what Kirby did. Yeah. Uh, the last like with Dan Lanning, and now Dan Lanning is going to Oregon. So. I know a lot of people said, who are these people? But the next I'm sure coaches. they've learned, learned a lot under some great, a great coach and other great coordinators. Yeah, I, I'm just going with uh, Iowa State because they've played a lot better of recent. Brees Hall has been, gotten back on track the last two or three games of the season. 
And I think that's going to continue. Even against, we know Clemson is still very good defensively. They showed that against Wake Forest when they shut that offense down. Uh, so I, I think if they can just pound the defense and pound them with Brees Hall all day, and that'll set up the play action for Brock Purdy and Charlie Kohler, the tight end there. So, yeah. And Xavier Hutchinson as well, wide receiver, their number one guy there. Yeah, but the offense of Clemson is just, ugh. I don't, I don't know how they have nine wins. No clue. <laughs> That's really why I picked, picked Iowa State. And Iowa State has, has had their slumps too, but, man, Clemson's offense has been abysmal to watch. It's, ugh, ugh. Yeah, and they're one-and-a-half-point favorites. This one's in Orlando, Camping World Stadium, where no, absolutely no one plays. Literally. Literally no one plays at Camping World Stadium. It's just there. <laughs> I don't I understand. Know that. I know exactly where it's at. So yes, that's I where that's from. where the Pro Bowls played, and like I know, I don't understand how they have a stadium. No one plays there. Like, there's never been a team in Orlando. No, and there won't be. There's UCF, but they had the bounce house. It's a different stadium. <laughs> like, there's too much to do in Orlando on a Sunday. Yeah. The thing is, is Clemson's coming in hot. They've won five. Uh, They've turned it around. Five in a row. They're they're on a five-game win streak. To to some extent, they've turned it around after the NC State game. Yeah. But, I mean, I picked them. To knock off Wake Forest. They're scoring six points fewer than Iowa State, and they're allowing five points fewer than Iowa State. (laughs) See who wins. Uh, And who gets dumped Cheez-Its on. Who doesn't like Cheez-Its? I don't know. I can tell you a few people in my life that love Cheez-Its. You got the cheese, you got the salt. What's better? (laughs) I like like the, the duos, though. Where you got like the uh, sharp cheddar and the parmesan together in one what box. What about the bacon and cheddar? If you haven't had that, that'll blow your mind. I think I have. I also like the toasted ones. The toasted one, yeah, those are really good. Extra toasty, yeah. I know exactly <laughs> what. You're uh, over under is forty four. I'm going under. I just said Iowa State's giving up twenty and a half points per game. Clemson, yeah, yeah. Clemson's giving up I about agree. fifteen. So I agree with you on that one. Uh, this one is 545 on ESPN. This is one of my favorite bowl games of the year. It's the first one that we have ranked against ranked, uh, of the bowl season. Valero Alamo Bowl, number 14, Oregon against number 16, Oklahoma. We're all on the ducks. I I don't know who's coaching either team. Can anyone tell me this? No clue. Because Chris Ball is already in Miami. We know Lincoln Riley is in USC. I actually think, I really do believe that Brett Venable said he would coach this game. I Okay, let me look this up. So, while you do that, this one is going to be played at San Antonio in the Alamo Dome, where UTSA plays. Um, 
really, I, I like the Ducks because it's just at least they still have. I know Thibodeau's not well, going to play. I am so wrong not to interrupt. This is going to be Bob Stoops. He's filling in. Why didn't I remember that? I still don't think that's enough to push Oklahoma to a win. Um, I just, even without Thibodeau on the defense, the Oregon defense is very good. Uh, and I think... I went I went the same route. And I and isn't their running back healthy and playing in this game? Yeah, I think Travis Dye should be playing. Yeah. And he had a big game against Ohio State, and I look for him to have another big game. Yeah. It would be interesting, though, to see what Oklahoma puts together if they do what they were doing down the stretch, which is run the ball, too, with Kennedy Brooks, uh, who has a 1,000-yard season and 10 touchdowns on the ground as well. Um, biggest thing for both quarterbacks, whoever turns it over least will win the game. This actually might be be a more fun game to watch because of you know it's cool that 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 stoops is coming out and helping you know his i don't know if he graduated from there but this is all the monitor he won championship there and then you have oregon and and what's this look like for dan lanning coming into it this is they have some fun storylines in this game i'm gonna watch it just to see what it looks like to come out of retirement. Yeah, I'll help you. I've got a couple of weeks to prepare. Well, you're going to have to stay I out. Mean, can you imagine if Oklahoma runs the table? Would this propel someone to call Stoops and be like, please come coach for us, please? I've heard people are interested. I mean, you've heard it it's through just, the years, he, but is he would it not thing? solidify it even more? And if he was interested. Yeah. What if Brian Kelly has two crappy years? Would LSU say, get on the phone, we're calling Stoops after that bowl game? Um, Over-under is 60. I am going over. Probably. I, I said Oregon's defense is very good, but I just, this feels like an over game. Uh, and Mark, you're gonna have to stay up if you're gonna watch it. Nine fifteen on ESPN. I'm gonna stay up for this one. All right, Thursday, while I'm driving down to Mark's house, uh, Battle of Carolina, Duke's Mayo Bowl, North Carolina against Ooh. South Carolina. Ugh. And this one is in Charlotte, I believe, at the Panther Stadium. Yes, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Is this the Loser Bowl? So, dude, I'm sure they sold this stadium out. It's in Charlotte. How are both How are both fan bases not buying all the tickets they can? Carolina versus Carolina. Um, I mean, how many times do you get this? Not very okay. often. But... So a state fan told me over Christmas break in Raleigh, this is the loser bowl. And I said, this is closer to the New Year's bowl than what you guys are playing in San Diego. <laughs> They didn't like what I had to say. And this one is even grosser, though, because people eating mayo, I don't like mayo, uh, so... Uh, I mean, on a, on a sandwich, 
mayonnaise is okay, but your coach is about to get dumped with mayo. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I was a coach, I would be like, do not dump that on me, or y'all are running. <laughs> y'all are gonna run like hell if we win. Even if we win this game, I don't care. Do I don't know, not like dump that win. on me. <laughs> I like to win. You could dump a lot of things on me. Less, there's a few things I would tell you not to, but mayo I could take. Does mayo come out, though? That is the question. <laughs> Does it At come out of your clothes? Cares, I'm throwing that, those clothes in the trash and taking a shower. They probably smell anyways after that. Uh, but to the game, uh, I, I'm not sure if Howell's playing. I would think he is with them being a nine-point favorite. I heard. I heard... On Christmas Eve, he was in Raleigh, and I said I need to solidify that. But now that I look at it being a minus nine, he has to be. Yeah, I feel like it would be a lot closer if it if it if he wasn't playing. Um, maybe not. Maybe because they're in my boat and think that North Carolina is so much better than South Carolina <laughs> that uh, they can beat them by nine, <laughs> regardless of how or not. Uh, so I don't know. I like I said. I just think I don't even know who the hell is playing quarterback for South Carolina. So I I got to go with the heels in this game. I don't know. Maybe I'll take the plus it, nine though. It is said. It is said that he intends to play. Yeah. And he said when he said, but he didn't say I am or I'm not. This was five days ago. I intend on playing in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Mm. But does that mean that he he steps out on Wednesday or tomorrow? I don't know. Yeah, right. Uh, Over-under is 58.5. Hell no. Under. Under 58.5. Absolutely no confidence that South Carolina can score that many points. Uh, 1130. 58, 58 points? 58 and a half, yeah. Combined. Yes. But you do know how bad UNC's defense I don't think it matters. If, okay, That's how let's bad say, South I, Carolina's offense is. South Carolina gets to 21. If, I think they can get to 21. I don't know. 34 21, 31 21. Uh, 11 30. 38 20. on ESPN. South Carolina scoring 21 points per game. That's how much they score a game? Yes. <laughs> I didn't even know that. I'm telling you. They get to 21, I think, it, I think they could get right at 58. But South Carolina only gives up 24 a game. Well, that's the scary – I mean, that's why I think South Carolina has a really good chance, and now that we all picked the Tar Heels, even though I love them and love the color. UNC is a lot better, though. They put up 36 and give up 31. Then I think it's a shootout. No. Who's playing quarterback for South Carolina? You don't know. <laughs> Zeb Nolan? I don't know. <laughs> I don't he already know. graduated. <laughs> Not really. He still has to go through the spring. Just saying. But uh, 
Yes, 11.30 on ESPN. I will be listening to that game. Transperfect Music City Bowl. Mark, did you look up this company? I did not. But I think it's a uh, credit. Uh, credit Tennessee against Purdue. I was very shocked that Chris did not take the Vols. And uh, I am just going with David Bell and Aiden O'Connell. The Purdue offense. That's actually crazy. Purdue scores 27.5 points per game. Tennessee gives up exactly 27.5 points per game. Crazy. So, uh, trans perfect. I know this has nothing to do, but what I'm researching is it's a business solution, but the number one business solution that they offer is languages. Uh, makes sense. Trans translation. That's yeah. where the trans part comes from. Got it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this one's in Nashville, probably at uh, Nissan Stadium where the Titans play. Yes, it is. I am correct. Look at me. I'm so good. Uh, I actually passed Nissan Stadium on my way back up to Milwaukee from Athens. This is it's a nice sight. But, uh, yeah, I just like Purdue. think they're the better team overall. So, I'm probably wrong, but, you know. <laughs> and Tennessee can score points. That's a true statement. Purdue only gives up 20, though. That's the thing. My thing is... Uh... It's a little co- closer to town than... Than Purdue, but Purdue's not that far off geographically. And sometimes your teams can have lags. I, I'm high on on Heifel being a coach, though. But you kind of talked me over the ledge. Purdue's that that top five beater, man. They've been beating teams down, and so that's the only thing that scares me. Do they bring their A game, knowing that they're playing a seven and five team? Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Uh, this one, over-under is 63.5. They expect a lot of fireworks here. I don't think it gets there. Like I said, Purdue is a very, very good defense, only giving up 20 points per game. Tennessee gives up about 27.5 points per game, which is exactly how many Purdue scores. So give me the under 63.5, 3 p.m. on ESPN. I will also be listening to that one. This one, I will be at Mark's house for the first game. I'm going to make sure I'm at his house by 7 p.m. And there better be food waiting for me, Mark. Uh, Number 12, Pitt, against number 10, Michigan State, Chick-fil-A, Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Mark and I are on Sparty. No Kenny Pickett for Pitt. I, I just could not go with Pittsburgh with a backup quarterback. I had to go. Mark told me that no Kenneth Walker for Sparty. I don't think that changes it much. They still have Peyton Thorne playing at quarterback. So I'm going with the Michigan State Spartans instead. The two the two best players on both teams I don't think are playing. Um, but 
<clears throat> and I, I have to admit it, I don't know much about Pittsburgh's coach. I know even their quarterback coach that, that um, was a tutledge to, to Kenny Pickett's is going to Scott Frost's um, staff at Nebraska. So I don't even know if he's there for this game. So I, I'm going with Mel Tucker and who I think is a great coach and, and defensive-minded, and that's why I picked him. Oh, dude, this is a great coaching matchup. Pat Narduzzi and Matt uh, and Mel Tucker fantastic i got it i got it i know pat's name i just haven't followed him through his career like i have mel tucker this should be a low scoring affair pat narduzzi's known for defense um michigan state had a good defense as well this year uh that's the side mel tucker's from as well right Mm -hmm. uh so i mean if you get here in time we can just go to the game if you want to (laughs) I'll just drive straight to Atlanta. <laughs> I, I mean, I can grab us tickets easily. Uh, but yeah, I really wish though that Pickett and Walker were playing, dude. I what I a loved show! It. What a show that would have been, man. I would have loved to see this game if they were both playing. I would have loved to see this game week week two or three in the college football season. Yeah. Uh, over-under is 56. Again, I'm going under. It, w- it would probably be close. Uh, Pitt allows 23 per game. Uh, Sparty gives up 25 and a half. Their offenses, though, score a lot. 43 for Pitt, 32 for Michigan State. <laughs> I think the defenses, though, prevail in this game. 7 p.m. on ESPN. So that means I gotta leave it. Like my normal time. I'll leave I'll leave an extra hour early just for you, Mark. <laughs> I'll leave it eight instead of nine. All right, the last uh, bowl game we got on here, SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl, Wisconsin against Arizona State. We're all on the Badgers. I have no idea still how Arizona State got to eight wins, uh, probably because they play in the Pac-12 South. Pac-12 South sucks, other than Utah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I guess the top half of both divisions are good. Uh, you got UCLA, but USC was trash. Colorado was trash, and Arizona only won one game. So, Pac-12 North definitely better. But Jalen Daniels is just—I don't know. He's just a roller coaster ride every every week. So. Give me uh, Braylon Allen, running back for Wisconsin. And uh, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully Graham Mertz can put something up. (laughs) I would just hand it off to Braylon Allen the entire game, though. (laughs) Uh, Batter's getting six here. Yeah, I mean, we I, I've seen more of the Badgers this season, whether that's Penn State game or um, 
Iowa. All right. Did they play Iowa? Yeah. Well, no, I watched, I watched the Penn State game and the Notre Dame game, and I know what they're capable of, and I know their deficiencies, which some are glaring, but it's good at running. Graham Mertz, don't ask him to do a lot, and he is accurate. Don't ask him to go down the field, go slants, go curl routes, go quick slants. And then you have, on the other side, you have somebody that was a Heisman candidate to start and under um, played his value, in my opinion. So it's two contrasting values. Yeah. I'll also say Wisconsin defense. Really good. Well, that's what, you know, you see that in the Penn State game where it's low scoring and it's physical. Leo, Leo Chanel. Chanel is... Great linebacker for them. Over-under is 42. 42. Under, like I said, the Wisconsin defense, dude. Wisconsin defense rules the day against a so-so quarterback. That's a guy who I don't understand. Maybe he did. Like I said, I didn't follow all the coaching carousel stuff. If Jim Leonard didn't get any interviews, I don't know why. Jim Leonard is fantastic defensive coordinator. 10.30 on ESPN at Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders play. All right, Monday Night Football, about 10 minutes away from kicking off. Dolphins at the Saints. Chris is being a homer, picking his team, his second team. Uh, yeah. Dude, I, I mean, I am picking the Dolphins. It's Ian Book's first start. Who is the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history with 30 wins. But Brian Flores is known for defense. And that has been the carrying force throughout their six-game win streak. And with a win tonight, the Dolphins can become, I think they said the first or the second team in NFL history, I think it was. Or maybe it was the second team since the merger. Whatever. They're going to make some sort of history if they win tonight. Being the first team in a while, or ever, like I said, I don't remember, to have both a seven-game losing streak and a seven-game winning streak in the same season. I'm, I'm blitzing the hell out of Ian Book if I'm Brian Flores. For me, it came down to a rookie starting this late in the season, but maybe that that makes him somewhat more mature. This whole history thing scares me a little bit because when you bring, when people bring that up, the opposing team usually annihilates it. The only way that the Saints win, and this is why I picked the Dolphins, is if Alvin Kamara just changes this whole game. We see vintage Alvin Kamara from week one or week two. First team in NFL history. That's the the history that they could make. Seven but Alvin streaks, Kamara is that good. But I think Flores, like you said, is good enough to game plan. Dude, load the box. Load the box, make Ian Book beat you. I think it's the most simple game plan you can get. Now, I'm not saying Ian Book's a scrub. 
because he didn't win 30 games at Notre Dame by handing the ball off. Yeah. Uh, and he has been in big-time scenarios, two college football playoffs, where he got destroyed <laughs> both times. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's the easy game plan, stack the box, press up with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones on the outside. Against a depleted squad, I mean, they don't have... They don't have uh, Taysom Hill, you know, at quarterback or X-Factor. And uh, Deontay Harris, I believe, is still suspended for... I think this is his last game of his suspension. So they're going to roll out Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, Nick Vanette. I'm blitzing him and blitzing him and blitzing him until he, until he can prove he can stop it or beat it. I agree. Uh, so I have Dolphins minus three. I got to get in my first touchdown score. I forgot to put that in. Uh, I got five minutes to do it. Who are we on? It's got to be a Dolphin. I'm thinking uh, Devontae Parker. Waddle. Oh, you think Jalen Waddle? No, I say that because you, you need him not to score any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if I win money, Mark, that's better than... Well, I'm already I'm already gonna lose probably anyways. So lose and lose money or lose and win money. That's a tough. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah. Over under here, thirty seven and a half, dude. It's ridiculous. Some people are taking it. I I just I can't. That's a lot for this. Game. Well. Actually, we're I'm taking it. I'm re, I'm rethinking it and I'm taking it. Rookie quarterback. The Dolphins aren't going to score 38 on the Saints defense. We just saw the Saints defense shut down Tom Brady. So under 137 and a half. Next week, next Monday. I will still it's be. It's gonna at, be a fun one. I will it's still, gonna be a fun division rival. I will still be at Mark's house, <laughs> or someone's house down here. Uh, <laughs> but we will be recapping all the games from the weekend. We'll be recapping the college football playoffs and telling you what we our our pre preview of the national championship and. Uh, as well as previewing the Monday night matchup divisional AFC North divisional showdown in Pittsburgh against uh, the Browns versus the Steelers. That is our show for the day. It was really long. We talked a lot <laughs> about just random stuff. <laughs> it was like two games we spent an hour on. <laughs> Thank you all for watching. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, FAA Podcast. Dot com is our website also check us out here on youtube facebook spotify apple podcasts and iHeartRadio. mark i will see you on thursday early morning show friday yes sir friday 11 a.m thank you 10 a.m